0: It is The Brink coming to you once again for another episode of your favouritest podcast anywhere this side of the world, unless you listen to all the other great podcasts that I'm involved in and then you love all of them equally, because clearly you're listening to this because for some reason you like my voice, but it's another episode and the studio audience is back, episode 153 of the podcast version of the brink exciting to be back after a few weeks away we came back last week and now we're back for consecutive episodes for the first time in a while which is always a good thing big show coming your way today we've got some regulars and we've got somebody who is a regular who used to be a regular hasn't been back in a while knock knock Chista from new Zealand he's about to be on in just a few moments and you're going to Here a great catch up with him. We're going to talk a little bit about New Zealand council elections, as well as World Cups and money in New Zealand, given that it's a big talking point at the moment with money around the world, particularly for our Commonwealth nations, where the Queen has adorned our money for so long. Obviously, it's going to have to change a little bit now. So we find out from Nick how that is changing. We're also going to be joined by Casey again from the US of A, not in New York anymore, Actually, in a different city, we'll have to find out where she is and maybe another trivia section for her to get on board with this week. And Josh will be back. What are we going to talk to Josh about this week? You're going to have to find out because it's always a barrel of fun with Josh. And we've got a great segment for you this week when it comes to a little snippet that came from a little episode from one of our other shows that aired during the week. So stay tuned for that as well. And of course, wow, this is news It came back last week for a first time in a very long time, and it's back again this week. So I know you're pumped and excited for all of that. Wanted to touch on one thing before we go into our first section of the show today. We brought back stats last week. It had been a while since I'd gone over stats, and in the last week since we came back on air, I want to send a shout out to our regular listeners in countries such as the USA, Canada, Australia, Singapore. Had a big spike in Singaporean listeners in the last week. Gonna say Grand Prix time. A lot of Aussies took us on the road, wanted to listen to us there. We appreciate that. But a shout out to our listeners in India and Argentina. Hello to both of you. Not a common place of either of those countries that we often get listeners from. But uh, I'm on board for more listeners in India and Argentina. So we thank you for downloading the show if you are listening to us this week send us a shout out we'd love to hear whereabouts in those great countries you are listening to us from and we appreciate you tuning in hopefully we can deliver you a great show because i'm pretty sure we will be able to do that because you're gonna hear more of the show coming up after a little sound effect and we're gonna bring in our first guest on the brink this week it's been a while since we've had our next guest on the show it's been a while since we've been able to talk about his great nation that we used to live in at least on this show so what better time to get someone back on to talk about new zealand and learn about what's happening there it's nick chester nick welcome back to the brink it's uh <laughs> thrilling to have you on with sound effects i'm glad you can actually hear your uh, national
1: anthem there in the background the, the sound of a local brothel in the background yeah. there.
0: <laughs> yes. Nick joining us from a local brothel right now. It's a, it's a pleasure to to welcome you back. Uh, how How is New Zealand, Nick? It's existing still. Uh, is, it, is it missing out on random Australians living in the very bottom of it, or are they glad to get rid of
1: me? I think we've got random Australians kind of on their way back, to be honest. I think we're kind of, you know, the borders are open again, and, um, you know, the part of the world I live in is a, a cruise ship destination. And so I think we're going to be seeing our first kind of cruise ships in two and a half years kind of rocking back into town. So I don't think we've got a shortage of Aussies, um, even though you're not here.
0: Thank you for that. I'm glad it still exists though. So that's, um, that's a, a positive, uh, there going on with that because it's, it's election season, at least council wise. And I have very fond memories of that three years ago, right? That was 2019 was the last time council yeah. elections were going on, which, yeah. uh, Hard to believe, but um, I I know your area is not having them, but uh, where you're originally from, usually, uh, Waikato, Hamilton, do you have any mayors standing on the street with signs thanking them for voters? I remember that when I was with you, that was a a nice guy doing that. Um, yeah, is that, that is that happening still? Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that would have been. 26 like years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. When, you were, yeah, when you were over here, and yep, and um, round about that now, was a too. Very it was, close election, that it was, one.
0: It was very, it was pretty much around about this period, I think, six years ago, I was there, so yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think he won that election by like six votes or something, so it was a really close one. Um, Hamilton's always pretty close, and they tend not to keep their mayors around for more than one term, so um, the, uh, the incumbent mayor is standing, and um, she, I think that, I think her. Uh, Deputy Mayor standing against her, so it could be an interesting one to watch that one. But uh, yeah, we, we are under uh, the the rule of commissioners here in, in Tauranga, Um that we don't have any uh, any elections happening for our city council because that's not happening for an, an extra couple of years because there was a lot of political fallout and the mayor and everything. Kind of um, there was a, a lot of problems last time, so yeah, they've been uh, put under. We've been put under commissioners' rules for a couple of years, like Batman.
0: I was going to say, you said to me off air, kind of like Batman, which uh, sounds very interesting. So do you then, um, when you change address, that means that you then move into that electorate so you can't still vote in Waikato if you haven't sort of changed it on the electoral roll? Is that generally how it works in New Zealand?
1: Yeah, no, that is is the way it works. I actually, when I moved here a year ago, I actually changed over because... um, Earlier this year we actually had a by-election for our local Member of Parliament and, um, you know, like me being a total political tragic geek, I kind of wanted to vote in in that election just because I could, Um, but Taronga is not a particularly um, competitive seat, it tends to be a very conservative seat, so Basically, you know the the national party we have over here. The, whoever they stand tends to win normally. But um, been a lot of controversy around our new uh, member of parliament since that happened. So even though we don't have a council election going on, it's been uh, been some some pretty turbulent times in my part of the world in terms of politics. So do, do you, it's been you enjoy? Fun all the same.
0: Do you? I was going to say, do you enjoy that more than Waikato? I don't know what it was like there for the the federal side of things, uh, outside of the the local side of things. Do you prefer where you are right now with that? funness of it
1: um i I, am not sure about that i mean um i think i think it's probably more fun to be in a a more i guess competitive place where you know like it will change whereas here you know like it's always going to be the same party probably is going to be um the ones that that win the election here just because of the demographic we have here um and the hamilton seats tend to kind of go where the government goes. So, you know, if our Labour Party, if Jacinda's party wins the election, then you normally have her party also wins the Hamilton seats. Um, whereas here, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who wins the, local, the national election. The local will always be the same party.
0: Kind of like that in Southland, I think, from memory. We kind of always seem to have that yeah. side of things happening, which I'm, I'm paying yeah, attention so, yeah, to, yeah. to Invercargill because our beloved Mr Shadbolt uh, might be in a bit of strife. <laughs> Uh, doesn't – don't know if he's going to hold on this time because he's obviously had a bit of a rough three years, which I don't know how, – how much do you hear about Invercargill up there? Probably not at all. I don't know. But, uh, I mean, there's about 200 people running for mayor
1: in Invercargill. Oh, no, I think, we, I think we do. But... You do? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think – yeah, I think because, you know, Tim is such a – he's kind of like a national icon, not just a local one in, in, in Invercargill – and because he's been around for so so long, kind of everybody knows, and he's a big personality. I mean, you've met him, you know, he's a he's a big personality. Um, and so, yeah, but I think probably it's just been a case of he's probably outstayed his welcome a little bit, and um, yeah, we'll just see if, if he ends up falling off his perch. And I think it might be one of those situations where maybe he he might regret not just retiring rather than than being, um, yeah, I guess kind of. Kind of outvoted but you never know that's the thing you just until the votes come in and it's been really low voter turnout here so our local elections i don't know what you guys do for your council elections but ours are total postal voting so you don't go in and vote in a polling center you have to do it by post and so yeah like people just can't bother. bothered and you know like, who, whoever mails anything these days so like the our our kind of voter turnout is really really low so with that in mind you just never know what can happen they uh,
0: here, just right now, that we've got council elections happening at least here in Tasmania, and they are male in. And as of this election, they are compulsory because generally it's only state and federal uh, and senate that is sort of compulsory in Australia. Generally, council elections were the one sort of you know optional election that you could take part of. But now they're they're officially compulsory. I'm not on the electoral. I don't know if I should be admitting that right now. I have my like. I basically was removed from the electoral roll when I moved overseas. The Australian <laughs> Electoral Commission was like, well, you're moving overseas. You don't need to be on the electoral roll anymore. And since I've been back, because I've gone again come back like multiple times, I just haven't bothered to redo it. I'm still in the New Zealand electoral roll. They won't let me leave it. I try to get off it. And they're like, oh, you got to wait five years. And I'm like, well, okay, sure. So I probably could technically still vote for mayor of Invercargill. Uh, So I probably missed out now. I think it's a couple of days till it ends. But uh, I don't know if you want an extra vote, Nick, I know you can't vote right now. You could just vote for me if you make it down to Invercargill. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been quite interested in in your guys. So it's, it's, you know, it's compulsory to vote. Like, is that like, you know, if you drive over the speed limit, like nobody's ever going to actually catch you. So while it's compulsory, like, Nobody can actually enforce Uh, that,
0: right? I mean, they do. You can get caught. It's generally like a fine. I think you get like a $100, $150 fine. But if you've got a good enough reason, they catch you. Like my mum gave birth to my sister on the day that Bob Hawke got elected in the 80s. So she was just like, oh, I was giving birth. And they're like, okay, that's a valid excuse. Um, And I've done postal votes before knowing I wouldn't be... At home when I was doing it But I've got a feeling I I might get a letter at some point Basically saying You didn't vote in the federal election this year When you technically should have Here's a fine But I could be like Well, I was in New York City on the day And you won't let me vote So, you know, it's kind of I'm sure that's a valid excuse But if you're listening, Anthony uh, Mr Albanese, Mr Prime Minister uh, I want to vote Like, when I left It's not like I'm one of these people Who are like, oh, I don't want to vote I do I wanted to I'm like, Hugh Jackman gets the vote When was the last time he lived in Australia So, um yeah, I voted once in New Zealand, and I haven't voted for like
1: five I thought, years. I thought, that, I thought the punishment might be they kind of put you in a room with Jonathan LaPaglia and he just like beats you up or something <laughs> like. He's he's quite a scary looking man, isn't he? I'm just I'm just watching in the background where, where um, Australian Survivors are on, and it's like ah. he he's he a scary looking individual, isn't
0: he? The the LaPalia family in general are pretty scary looking individuals. I will admit that. Uh, his brother Anthony, of course, too, is quite well known. So. Um, yeah, I don't know if you'd want to mess with them. Uh, I, I do know I don't know if Anthony Napali acts much anymore, but I know he's on one of those betting commercials at the moment. You know, like sports bets, the world's biggest betting company, and you're just like, yeah. shit. All right, Anthony, I'll bet. Just leave me alone. Like he's he's a bit scary. <laughs> Which I'm glad you're getting Australian Survivor. It's a bit late, but uh, you know, better late than never. What season are you up to, Nick? Do you know?
1: <laughs> um, it's the one that it's the one that Sandra was on. Is that the latest one? Yeah,
0: earlier this year. Blood vs. Water. Yes. That is right. the, the newest yeah. one. Yeah. So uh her daughter on it yeah. too. So uh yes, she's she's not bad. Yeah. Not a bad player. Her daughter. So that wasn't a bad season. I, I only watched that one recently, but uh much better than the uh the one that came before it. Uh so just just uh if you if
1: you're getting I don't, involved, I don't have I don't have the commitment to watch Australian Survivor. Yeah. There's too many episodes. I it's,
0: just, I it's it's a long slog. It definitely is. Speaking of which, on Australian Survivor Archives, you can listen to our Season 3 of Australian Survivor coming soon <laughs> in 2023 <laughs> when we cover all 38,000 episodes of that one. I wanted to talk to you about World Cups because – Initially, I went into this thinking, hey, let's just talk about this World Cup or this World Cup, this World Cup. But as you and I were discussing off air, there's about 407 World Cups about to happen in the next month, obviously leading up to the the big one, the World Cup. But in the space of a few days, we are going to be having the Women's Rugby Union World Cup, which is happening in New Zealand, the Men's and Women's Rugby League World Cups, which I believe are happening in England, and the Men's 2020 Cricket World Cup, which is happening in Australia. Are you excited for any of these ones? Not, not, not to talk the soccer one yet. We know you're excited for that, but are you excited for any of these rugby or cricket world cups that are uh, about to happen?
1: Well, I mean, there's certainly a lot of buzz in New Zealand because obviously the the rug women's rugby world cup is here. And, and so I think um, there's been a lot of promotion of that as you would expect. So I think probably, Um, New Zealand women's rugby is not in a great, great spot at the moment. So I think probably our chances of winning are quite low. I think England are like the overwhelming favourites to win that. Um, And so, yeah, I I think it will be more about the spectacle there. So it's always cool when you've got a World Cup in your back back doorstep, right? Um, I think league, I always struggle to get too excited about. I have got a photo of me with the the Rugby League World Cup, the actual trophy, um, because it like, did the, the tour of the country last time it was hosted here, which was a couple of years back. Um, but again, it's a hard one to get that excited about because Aussie basically win it every time unless they play really badly in the final, right? Like that's, yeah. that's really the only thing that can go wrong. And cricket, I I struggle with cricket because like there's so many of them. Like I I just, I can't keep up. There's like the 2020 World Cup and, you know, I, I know there was COVID, but the 2020 World Cup should have been in 2020. It was like meant really to be. disappointing that they couldn't have um, just tied that up. Or was there a 22? There probably was one then. The, like there are so many of so them.
0: The them. So the, kind of the women, that was just before COVID hit because uh, that was the weekend before because we had the uh, women's final at the MCG. They got like 90,000 people. So the women's 2020 World Cup happened and COVID hit. And, yeah, the men's one was meant to happen in 2020, but then COVID, then it was meant to happen last year, right. then COVID. So now they've put it to 2022. It's I think it's like the men's, the the 50-over World Cup next year was meant to happen in, like, February, but now they've pushed it back to, like, November. I think it might even intersect with the Rugby World Cup next year. I don't right. know if they looked at their scheduling too well. But, um, yeah, so it's kind of that was the obvious one to have the 2020 World Cup. But, I mean, that's obviously in Australia. There's a bit of buzz around that. At the moment, which it's it's strange because here in Hobart we've got I think the most matches of all the cities, but that's only because we get all the dud matches. We get like Scotland <laughs> and Ireland and like Bangladesh versus the Netherlands, and like, you know, we get all of them. So that's why everyone's like, oh, why do they get the most matches? I'm like, yeah, because we're gonna get games that no one's gonna go to. Although I wouldn't mind, I might go see Ireland Scotland. Why wouldn't I go see? my family heritage play, but we don't get any Aussie games, so thanks for that. But uh New Zealand you were dominating cricket. You're the Test world champions. You were the nearly the the right for one day world champions. We know that. Uh nearly got the twenty twenty world championship as well. But I think you're choking a little bit. What's happening to New Zealand cricket? You you got up the top and now you're choking already, Nick. This is not like New
1: Zealand. <laughs> yeah. Um oh I think it's just I think we had a really good team there. And I think probably the fact that we didn't win that World Cup when we when we should have, um, I think, is but as a real shame because I'm not sure that a country of our size is ever really going to be able to consistently be at the top. Like, I, I think like the Black Caps have punched above their weight for years. Like they've always done better than they probably should, um, and we seem to have a real knack of beating India at, at major competitions like this. So I don't know why we always seem to be the ones that knock India out. Um, and so yeah, I mean, like, I, I wouldn't count us out. And I think the great thing about twenty twenty is it's the kind of format that anybody can win on the day. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't think we've got a great shot at it. But I think tournament, any kind of tournament sport, the team gets on a roll, you never know what's going to happen. Like, I don't like who are the favourites. I assume I assume Aussie, if uh, there in India, like England, like.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest, with you, I have been paying too much of attention to it to know. I mean, we we won it last year. It was the first time we won it. Um, or the year before, whenever the last one was. There was one last year, wasn't there, I think? Didn't they end up having one last year? Because we did win one Yeah, recently. I'm sure
1: there was, uh, yeah. So
0: maybe they bumped downs back to 2022 and there was still one last year. Because I do remember we won, like, the 2020 World Cup recently. So, um, And that was, I think, the only major tournament we hadn't won before. So it was kind of, like, cool. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, And it's got this weird format, right. which I don't know if this is how it's done before. Because, again, half the reason why Hobart has so many matches is because they have, like, Group A and Group B featuring like the lower teams. And then basically the top two of each of those then make it into another group. So basically Australia and New Zealand are in the same group, but we don't play for weeks yet because the first two weeks are basically uh, Scotland, West Indies, because they're obviously sucking at the moment, Ireland, Zimbabwe, they're all the teams in Hobart. And then in the other group, you've got Namibia, Cricket Powerhouses, Uh, Sri Lanka, Netherlands, and the United Arab Emirates. So uh, the top two. So Sri Lanka, Zimbabwe, and West Indies mustn't have been doing too well if they're in those sort of bottom tiers at the moment. And then you win those, and you go through to the other group. So uh, looking here, Australia, New Zealand, England, and Afghanistan are automatically through to the next round, so they've done all right. And then in group two, you've got Bangladesh, India, Pakistan, and South Africa waiting. So, yeah, it's a weird tournament, but, um, you know, Typical cricket tournament goes on for about six weeks, I think. So, you'll you'll get sick of it eventually.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a, it's funny how Afghanistan like because I think they've actually done all right in recent times. Mm. Um, so so yeah, I think like twenty twenty is quite good because I think it is starting to get these other these other countries can start to get involved. Um, and you know, talk about chokers. like South Africa are always favourites for these tournaments and never win anything like that. Yeah. So maybe it's their time. Maybe they're going to like just throw a spanner on the works here. Who knows?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing them do all right. And I think uh, Afghanistan we were meant to come to Hobart last year and play our first ever test against Australia, uh, but they cancelled it because of the whole Taliban situation. So ultimately they've got, that. Right. got right. an Ashes test. That was all right in the end, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. The, the Women's World Cup of the Rugby Union that is about to start. You mentioned about New Zealand maybe not doing well. Looking here at the history of the tournament, there have been eight Rugby World Cups for women since 1991. Six of them have been won by New Zealand. Uh, five of them have been won by New Zealand. Two mm. of them won by England. Can you tell me who won the very first ever Women's Rugby World Cup? Because I don't think you'll guess who actually won it, and it's not Australia. It's a country you wouldn't associate well, with winning. Wales somebody like that. America, the US... Won the very first
1: uh, okay. Rugby
0: right. Women's World Cup in 1991. Wow. Yeah, Australia have never even made a final. We finished third in 2010. That is the best we've ever done in a Women's mm. World Cup. So there you go. Canada have even made finals and Australia haven't. So uh, we're not too good in the uh, the full women's rugby. We're all right in the rugby sevens, but uh, not so much in the... Uh, the 15s, it seems there. So, are you going to go to any matches? I don't know if there's any there in Tauranga, or are you going to go to Hamilton or wherever is nearest for you to go to a game?
1: Um, I haven't, I haven't planned it yet, but um, you know, there's always potential. Um, i certainly one that gets caught up in some of these tournament things, so you never know, you might find me at a game somewhere.
0: It'll be exciting to see. You have to send some photos through. Uh, I'm, I'm pumped though, Nick, because in about five or six weeks' time. The World Cup, just you don't even need to say what it is. The World Cup is on, which obviously we're very excited. It feels weird, doesn't it, that it's this late in the year, but obviously it's a different World Cup being in the yeah. soccer mecca of Qatar. Now, first of all, New Zealand, unfortunately, you, you guys were robbed. You should have made it. Uh, I don't know if you, you're reeling from that, but uh, clearly should have made it earlier this year. It was Costa Rica, wasn't it, that you missed out to, but... Uh, Are you, are you disappointed that the all whites narrowly missed out because you guys were robbed. You should be there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things I think, um, I I think we have really struggled since Aussie left to go to the Asia confederation. You know, I think there's not a lot of competition for us and it's like we're playing countries that I've never even heard of and friendlies (laughs) and things like that. And that's why it was so cool to have friendlies against Aussie recently because, you know, we just generally don't get those kind of competitions. Um, so, yeah, I think I, I kind of never expect us to make the World Cup because it just doesn't, you know, it's really, really hard for Oceania to get into the World Cup, um, you know, until next time in yeah. 2026 when we've got a, a guaranteed You've got your spot guaranteed come. spot. New Zealand so that,
0: has a guaranteed spot at the World Cup from the next uh, cycle onwards, so congratulations. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I think um, I, I, I can't be too upset about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always nice when we do make it, and I think you know, like there's that fantastic piece of pub pub quiz trivia that the only team at, at the last World Cup that we attended, which I think was 2010, yeah, um, New Zealand was the only team that was undefeated. You were um, because yeah, the eventual winners lost the game in pool in the in their pool game, so everyone else had lost the game, um, and the champions lost earlier in the competition. So we are the only ones that had three draws. Um, and got knocked out in the group stages.
0: Yeah. So you're, you're undefeated at the World Cup since, uh, well, I mean, you, yeah. you lost, was it 1982 you were at the one before that? So yeah. uh, not sure if yeah. you you had draws there and that. But, I mean, it's it will be interesting knowing that the next World Cup, it's basically guaranteed because I know there was a lot of media in Australia about how, you know, they were all like, oh, well, it's, it's great to qualify for this World Cup because I thought we were choking. We did not look good there and I have no idea how we ended up beating Peru, but it happened. But um, I think that a lot of people are talking about, like, oh, you've got this is the last one where it will mean something to qualify because the next one it's going to be so much easier to qualify for. So you know, it's it's a little bit this way. Which, what do you think of 48 teams in the world? I think we've talked about this before on the show, I believe we have. But uh, are you are you pro 48 teams or do you much prefer the 32?
1: I mean, I think I like 32 just because it's a clean tournament. You know, like you have you have your eight pools and you know two. to qualify from each group and, and, you know, the knockout is, is straightforward. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, anytime you mess with that, and the Rugby World Cup was a great example where you've got, you know, four groups of five teams and so, like, it's just, it's uneven and messy. Um, and I think that's, you know, like, it's one of the things I don't like about the when they change the Euros to um, being, what is it now, 24 teams instead of 16? When it was 16, it was a short, sharp tournament. You know, you went into the quarterfinals and now it's a bit messier. But to be fair, the last Euros actually worked really well. So, you know, like I, I guess it's one of those things like until I see it in action, I'm, I'll, I'll, you know, I won't judge it until I have actually seen it for myself. And I think
0: the next Euros are they not making it 32 teams? I think they're even increasing it even more to kind of be like the standard World Cup sort of what we've got right. now maybe uh so i think they i think the women's world cup next year in australia and new zealand they're doing it to 32 as well so uh yeah i look I, I like the idea of a 48 world cup just because it was a problem that australia had and maybe what you guys are facing a little bit too now is that when you've got no competition how are you meant to improve you can't improve if you're yeah. not playing better competition if you're beating american smaller 20 nothing i mean where you where are you getting better at that yeah. so yeah you're going to have a few of these world cups where you're going to get some countries are going to qualify. You're going to get beaten 10 nothing in the first round. But think about Iceland. I, I watched a video on YouTube recently about the rise of Iceland yeah. and how they sort of progressed up and they've fallen away sadly at the moment. But you think about a nation that size, which is, what, smaller in area than Tasmania, has barely more people than Tasmania, and yet they made a World Cup. Like it's, it's crazy to think that. So mm. I think for New Zealand it's going to do well. And, and who knows? You could get upset and... Fiji or Papua New Guinea could end up in a World Cup. That would be exciting. Wouldn't Wouldn't be the first time.
1: Wouldn't be the <laughs> first time that's happened. But um, but yeah, and I think like it's, it's not like there's not good competition because, you know, like the current European champions didn't qualify for yeah. the World Cup this year. Like Italy are not going to be at the World Cup. So it's not like, I don't think it's a quality issue. I think it just makes the tournament a little bit messy that you're going to have these groups of three teams. And, you know, I think that, that that makes it a bit kind of weird, but I think in terms of the quality of the matches, I don't think that's going to suffer.
0: I feel we'll get you on closer to the world cup, to talk more about it. But the thing that I find interesting about this year's world cup is generally every world cup, you get a couple of debutants, you know, sort of first time Iceland last world cup and you know, every world cup, there's something, the only debutant we've got this time around is Qatar, uh, which obviously they are hosting it. You <laughs> think that they would qualify Now, they won the last Asian Cup, so it's maybe not quite like... I remember South Africa back in 2010 hadn't been good in a while, so that was sort of a bit of a few question marks, and they ended up being the first and only host nation to ever make it past the first round, of course. But obviously, Qatar, the only debutante. Uh, Outside of that, Canada returning to the World Cup for the first time since 1986, and Wales returning to the World Cup for the first time since 1958... Every other nation has been at a World Cup from twenty fourteen at least onwards. So, uh, just on on those three Qatar, Wales, and Canada, are you excited to see these nations that at least in our lifetime we've never been able to see at a World Cup?
1: Well, I think um, I think Canada is really exciting because it's not like they just kind of scraped through. No, like they were the dominant team in North America. So, you know, so I think that that's really exciting that there's like a real sea change happening in, in North American football. Um, and so I think that that's really, really cool. I think Wales is really exciting to have Wales in the same group as England. Um, mm. cause I think that's going to be a hell of a match. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's great to see all, and Qatar, I mean, I don't think Qatar are the worst team there. I think, you know, um, there are others that are, that are maybe worse. So, um, yeah, I think the whole thing about it being in Qatar is weird and shouldn't have happened really, but it is. And, you know, like I think you've just got to. At this point, you've got to either make your peace with it or, or not. You know, so I think it will. From that perspective, the the players on the pitch, they're going to be really excited to going to go out and probably be the only chance Qatar has a, to qualify for a World Cup for quite some time. I would think.
0: Yeah, I was so sad that Scotland Scotland nearly made it. I was hoping both Scotland and Wales would uh, <laughs> would make. I at least remember Scotland playing in the '98 World Cup, so there there is that. But I'm yeah, I'm excited for Wales. Uh, I love seeing a country like that make it to the World Cup that hasn't in a very long time, and yeah, against England. Uh, you know, I know that's your team, Nick. How, I mean, how are you feeling? Is this it? Is it coming home? All this kind of bullshit that we're going to put up with. Um, you know, the Queen's died now. Do it for the yeah. do it for yeah, Prince I mean, Charles I, or King
1: Charles? Yeah, I mean, I've always because I've got English heritage, I've always supported England. But to be fair, like I'm, I'm definitely more of a club person than a than a country person like my club is Newcastle United. And so I'm really looking at what players from my club are playing. And like, we've got a great player who's playing in the Brazil team. So I'll be watching how he goes for Brazil. Um, we've got a player in the um, the Swiss team. So I'll be kind of watching what Switzerland do, um, you know, so I'll, I'll be kind of looking around to where the Newcastle players are playing and how they're doing as much as I'm, as I'm watching England this time around, to be fair.
0: You just signed an Aussie guy who was the talk of the A-League. You we just, did. Yeah. yeah. Big news over here about him signing for for Newcastle. So, I mean, very early prediction right now. Again, I think we'll get you on a little bit closer to the World Cup. But uh, this far out, are you giving me a pick? Who do you think is going to win the World Cup, Nicholas?
1: It's hard to go past Brazil, really, at this point. Like, I think they they haven't lost to anyone except Argentina for like three years or something, right? So, um, you know, you've got to be kind of fancying them to do pretty well. I think a lot of those European teams are kind of in... I guess, a bit of a transitionary phase. So Brazil and Argentina, it might be time for it to go back to South America, which it hasn't for a while. So, um, yeah, I, I'm feeling pretty good about both those things this time around.
0: I think, uh, no, it's not quite the longest drought New Zealand... Uh, sorry, Brazil have had it's the longest drought New Zealand's had without winning a World Cup. Um, 24 years it was between <laughs> 1970 and 1994. I thought maybe this might be their longest drought, but I would assume this would be the longest drought without a South American win, because at least between 70 and 94, you had Argentina win it twice. So obviously we have not had a Brazil, uh, get your regions right, Ben, a South American team win it since 2002. So it's been 20 years. So uh, obviously as much as I'm a a Germany man and and would love to see them win it again, I, I think it is about time that we get a South American team win it. And I've got some good Brazilian friends who live in your country. So I think... Uh, maybe we can jump on board them. I still love to uh, mention 7 1 from 2014. It's a great, great day. But, um, you know, I, <laughs> I just, I'm not a Neymar fan, but I'm also not really a Messi fan. So it's kind of like, I don't know which is the lesser of the two evils. Um. So I don't know. Brazil, Brazil, yeah, but Argentina, I've never seen Argentina win a World Cup in my lifetime either. So, eh, sure, why not? <laughs> if I had to choose between the two, Uruguay. Yeah. Sanchez, yeah, was he still playing? Suarez, uh, the biter. Is he still playing cheat?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if he's still playing for the country or not. I'm not entirely sure. But because yeah, um is it Uruguay who's got the guy from um the, the, the new Liverpool player? Um is he is he from Uruguay? I, I don't know. I need to I need to get schooled up again. I do start to forget where all these players are from. Um but I think that's one of the great things about the FIFA World Cup is that there's always at least seven or eight teams who Mm. theoretically could win. I Mm. mean, you've got Brazil, Argentina, you know, France, Germany. um, I think the Netherlands are there. Belgium are there potentially this time around. Um, Spain always, you know, a threat. And then there's always those kind of outsiders, you know, like Portugal. There's always a few. So, you know, like it's not it's not unreasonable to think that there's 10 teams that could potentially win. And that's, that's really cool. I always like that.
0: I would love to see Belgium win. I've always been a big fan of Belgium and I think they would, and the Dutch. Uh, I'll I'll be honest with you. I've gotten a bit sick of Dutch fans in the last few years because of Max Verstappen. That's purely a formula one thing, but um, (laughs) I, I've always liked the Dutch and I've always probably, if I had a second team, Outside of Germany, that's not Australia, obviously. Uh, it probably has been the Dutch. So, And they've never won it, of course. So it would be nice to, to see them. And and also, let's not forget, you got a side like Croatia four years ago somehow made it all the way through to the final. So uh, it's yep, not out exactly. of the yep. realms of possibility. Yeah, and Croatia,
1: Croatia are playing really well too.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's exciting. It's very exciting that it's it's coming around. Always love that every four years when you've got a, a World Cup, a Commonwealth Games and a, and a Winter Olympics in one sort of year. It's always exciting. Before I let you go, Nick, uh, I mentioned before, rest <laughs> in peace, the Queen, sad. Uh, your money. Now, I know in Australia there's been a lot of talking point about our money and how that's going to change. Uh, when does your, your coins start to get into circulation and which note was the Queen was, was on and do you get Charles now automatically on your, your note?
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, she's on our $20 note. $20 um, note, right. So, yeah, so um, I, I assume so. And obviously she's on all the coins, but um, I mean, I think that was a big talking point in the first couple of days after she, after she died. But um, I think they're kind of downplaying it really going, oh, you know, like, will replace them as and when needed and it will probably be years, maybe even a decade before we kind of really start to see, you know, Charles on the notes. And so that doesn't seem to be something that they're in a great hurry to, to get onto. Um, So yeah, it's quite, it's quite interesting, I suppose, especially when you've got Charles who's in his seventies, it's like, well, we wait 10 years, you know? Is it is it going to be not that long before we have to do it again? Just it's saying. It's
0: worth it. Yeah, because it's, it's interesting how each of the countries are doing it. Because I saw the UK had pretty much already straight away are into circulation. And I know when I was in Canada, I did a tour of the mint and I asked that question. And they said that they kind of would do it pretty much immediately. But I don't know how quickly they're doing it. Australia, I don't think we're getting our coins until 2023. And the, we're, the queen's on our $5 note. And they've sort of gone. Yeah, TBD. Like uh, probably will be Charles on it, but a lot of people are pushing like put yeah. Shane Warne or Steve Irwin on the $5 note rather than... Steve Irwin. Uh, yeah, that's legitimate, <laughs> legitimate push. Steve Irwin on the $5 note. Would you rather Would you rather see Steve Irwin or Shane Warne on the $5 Australian note, Nick? Um, so.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, Steve Irwin. It's not even a question.
0: <laughs> oh, Warney.
1: <laughs> Poor Warney. Uh,
0: Nick? pleasure as always (laughs) good to have you back and uh bring on all the world
1: cups that's all i can say yep looking forward to, to all of them
0: after a period of a very long time between our last time we did this segment and to when we brought it back last week we are bringing it back once again for consecutive weeks that is right This is news, that segment where we bring you news that is actually news, even though it maybe shouldn't be news, and we work out if it should be news. Formerly, fail or no fail, we just gave it a fancier name on the podcast version. A big one this week that has actually made a bit of news. I've seen this headline floating around in many places. A cheating scandal that has rocked the competitive fishing world after weights were found in catches. In Ohio, two fishermen appear to have been caught hook, line, and sinker after allegedly putting weights in their catch to try and cheat in the tournament. Jacob Runyon and Chase Kominski were hoping to come first place in the Lake Erie Walleye Trail Tournament in Cleveland, in Ohio, and would have walked away with a prize of thirty thousand U.S. dollars. However, they were disqualified and are now being investigated by Ohio's Department of Natural Resources, according to NBC News. Now, footage on the way in shows tournament director Jason Fisher. <laughs> Jason Fisher, he's a tournament director of, yeah, I get it. Uh, he opened up a catch before shouting, We've got weights in fish! Fisher tosses the balls out of the catch as people off camera are heard shouting in disgust at the fishy behaviour. One clearly upset man repeatedly shouts, You mother... I was going to try and find a censorship thing, but we swear all the time in the show. So what am I talking about? If the weights had never been found, Runyon and Kaminsky would have lifted the trophy for heaviest fish. The anglers have not responded for quests for comment. The footage was filmed by Wisconsin fishing guide, Troy Krauss, who did not compete in the tournament, had nearly seven and a half million views on TikTok and 400,000 likes in only two days after the tournament. That is pretty crazy. To think that that has happened. And Mr. Krauser has said that this cheating scandal could be good news for future tournaments because he thinks that there will be a lot more scrutiny coming uh, into that one as well. So fascinating that that is a thing. Uh, kind of a standard little operation, you think, to just put some weights in your fish uh, to win the heaviest fish. Kind of obvious one there. I, I still think the star of this story is Jason Fisher. Why is this not being filled with puns. i getting these again off Sky News on their odd news section, and literally the guy's name is Jason Fisher. So for that, I'm giving it a beep. sound effect because it works quite well. Jason Fisher, he wins this week's segment so far. But we've got two more to read for you here, so uh, it could get even better. Uh, we're now going to move into the world of music where a small independent record store, there is a area tucked away in uh, the the shop. Uh, Well, I'll I'll start that again, shall we? At a small independent record store. (laughs) Yeah, Ben reads the news. You can see why this isn't a profession of mine. At a small independent record store tucked away in a neat courtyard of shops next to St. Albans' famous cathedral, a vinyl record that one band is hoping could become the most expensive ever sold in the UK is about to be released. One physical copy of prolific indie band The Pocket God's latest album, Vegetal Digital, has been produced going on sale at their hometown's Empire Records for the rather large sum of £1 million. With charts of the music industry's most expensive, usually throwing up world-renowned artists such as Rolling Stones, Madonna, and U2, and songs such as Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson's hit Scream, so they're sort of relating this Sky News to most expensive tours and most expensive music video of all time, uh, they're saying that this might seem like an improbable feat. But the Hertfordshire band's frontman, Mark Christopher Lee, good actor, is confident they will find a buyer. Why are they trying their luck? Well, they have a long protested about what they say is a lack of fair royalties paid to musicians by Spotify and other streaming services, an issue raised by high-profile stars, including Taylor Swift. We don't like to say her name on this show. Uh, who cares about her? Uh, moving on. Highlighting the fact that it only takes 30 seconds for a song to trigger a streaming payment, the Pocket Gods have been recording songs of around this length since 2015. Only the rich can tour, and we're all no-hit wonders now, are among the quick-fire tracks you'll find in their back catalogue. But Lee says, it's now time to stop moaning about Spotify and and do something productive to help artists and songwriters. So if one copy of Vegetal Digital sells for £1 million, the proceeds will fund a new ethical streaming platform, Nubplay. It sounds ambitious, but the musician says he believes a record could be snapped up within a couple of weeks. Now, this is an interesting idea. There was a Wu-Tang Clan album sold for $2 million, but that is Wu-Tang Clan not Vegetal Digital, at least that's the name of the album, Uh, Pocket Gods, The Pocket Gods. I I will be completely honest with you, never heard of The Pocket Gods. And if I had a million pounds to just throw out there and buy something, I'm sorry, but I'm not going to buy this album. And in all fairness, if I had a million pounds and just steal your idea, create my own music streaming platform to do it myself because you've just kind of given – people out there an idea to do it and maybe they can do it for less than a million pounds so uh yeah not only does this get up <coughs> for Ben Waterworth's reading skills this week and <coughs> I'm mentioning the t-word but you're also going to get up <coughs> for this story because I'm not a fan sorry pocket gods a million pounds for your album I bet even Madonna couldn't sell an album for a million pounds I mean Wu-Tang Clan did but that's Wu-Tang Clan I love Madonna but I don't even think she could be right now like I've got one album there's only one existence. It's never going to be digital. It's only one album, million pounds. Don't know if it's going to work. Fail. Like to like to play that. Even if this isn't fail or no fail. I just like playing that sound effect. All right, let's end this on a high because we've got a swan that held up rush hour traffic for an hour. Now this was in Staines in Surrey at 8 a.m. earlier this week on Monday. The bird was found on the tracks and it stopped trains through the area towards Ascot in Berkshire. Southwestern Railway's Twitter account joked that our very own Sergeant Angel dealt with a swan, a reference to the 2007 police comedy Hot Fuzz. The film has a scene where Simon Peck's character, Nicholas Angel, and his partner chase an escaped swan through the town. Network Rail's Wessex Route posted an image on its Twitter account showing the animal being carried in a bag. Some affected passengers in Staines were not amused, with one tweeting, Stuck on bridge between Staines and Egham because a swan is sitting on train tracks. 50 minutes now pass. Can someone come and move the bird? I'm going to say this right now. We saw the performance of the Sydney Swans in the AFL Grand Final about a week or so ago. Two weeks ago, actually, if I do my maths correctly. And they were basically sitting still and not moving for a good portion of that game. So maybe this is just a repercussion of swans not having a very good last couple of weeks. They're just having a sad time of it. So they're just going to sit on a train track. i got to say, I'd be pretty pissed off if I'm stuck on a train for 50 minutes because a bird is sitting on the train tracks. So I'm not condoning running over the bird or anything of the likes, but why does it take 50 minutes to get a swan off a train track. Now, either this is a very finicky, tough bird to catch, or you've got some very lazy council workers. So, yeah, I'm gonna give that one a... Although I will say the picture, cute, I like it. It's a picture of a man with a swan and the swan looks not too happy to be carried by the neck. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to give uh, this week's Wow This Is News a big fat... Not not my favourite, let's be honest. We've done better with that, but uh, we tried. Let's see how we can go next week. It's always exciting to talk about America on this show and what better way to speak about America than by speaking with our next guest today on the show, Casey Howren is back. Hello, Casey. Welcome back.
2: Thank you.
0: Love the music. Yeah. Makes you feel prideful for being in Murica. Is that how I meant to say it? Murica. Murica. Yeah, nailed it. Yeah. Um, even <laughs> no, I more
2: really aggressive on
0: the M. Yeah, exactly. Even more so now that you are in your nation's capital. So that's exciting. Yeah. You've officially moved south. You are now neighbors with Joe Biden. How is Joe as a neighbor?
2: Very quiet.
0: Very quiet. Great, yeah.
2: Yeah. Great neighbor.
0: I, I noticed recently that he posted a picture of him in some really fancy sports car, basically saying like, hey, America, we're driving 40. He had his shades on, giving like a thumbs up kind of, He kind of looked like one of those old men who just gets a fancy car with a midlife crisis. Um, so.
2: I mean, he's midterm. So midterm crisis.
0: Maybe. I mean, he's much more midterm in terms of the, the age. So, you know, there, there is that. But how is um, Washington? How was the move? How is uh, the, the city that you're in right now?
2: Good. So far, I've only ventured out a couple of times. But move was easy enough, given that I hired movers to do all the heavy lifting.
0: Yep. So Lazy. Just... Uh... You know, you could have easily pushed all those from New York down to Washington. It's not that far, you know. it's
2: Yeah, kind of just dragged my couch yep. behind my car. Push, so it. It
0: Push it along the road, get a trolley on it. That that kind of works mm-hmm. there that way. Uh, I mean, you've only been away from New York for, what, a few days at the time of recording this. Do you miss any of it, though? Like, I, I know you and I were talking a little bit about bagels and the food and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean... Do you have the conveniences of New York there where you are in, in Washington or you haven't really tried that out yet?
2: Haven't tried it out yet, but I think it's still gonna be pretty convenient. I'm not gonna have the same number of options as I had in New York. Could order Uber Eats from literally any restaurant pretty much, but in the yeah, world. It's going to be-
0: That you could just, you know, you could order a restaurant from Hobart and it would be in New York in like an hour. It's very convenient.
2: Everyone ships to New York City, obviously. No, but almost any like restaurant in Manhattan could easily get delivery from there's a lot less kind of options here, but still not bad.
0: You're you're most excited though, I think, for uh, your beloved. Washington Capitals who Mm -hmm. you are seeing as of the time of recording this tomorrow night, obviously by the time this is released, you would have already been there. But uh, how many Caps games did you used to go to back in the day when you did live in the DC metro area?
2: I was talking to my friend about this and I think our record was like 12
0: in that season. Nice. Yeah. That's um. Sure. I actually, I you know me to the point where you know I like lists, and I do actually have a bit yeah. of a list database where I keep track of sporting matches I've been to. I looked at this the other day. I've only been to twelve NHL games in my life, so um, <laughs> there's a you know comparison. I guess when you live on the other side of the world, it's a little bit difficult. But that's not bad. I mean, they're easily no. easily accessible. I guess when you live there, and I think there's a yeah. there's a notion that all American sporting events are expensive, but you know, you know where to shop. You get the right tickets. They're not that badly priced.
2: Yeah, I can get tickets for like 20 bucks. I think that's how much paid for the ones for tomorrow. And the stadium is kind of small enough that even though they're in the top section, it's still a good
0: seat. Which you now have a jersey to wear, which you've never been to a home Caps game with a jersey, if I'm not mistaken. So there, there is that. Yeah. Uh, So that's exciting, but you, you kind of wanted, I think you wanted the white one. You wanted the away one. So will you look at that maybe at the team store tomorrow night, kind of thinking like, Hey, maybe I can get, you know, different, different nights. I can wear my different jerseys. Maybe. I've given you ideas. You weren't thinking about that until I just said that. I
2: was not thinking about buying another one. So I only like just bought this one Mm. in the spring. So I'll give it a few games, maybe check it out.
0: Do you look at the schedule? Because I know when I was in New York, pretty much the first thing I did was I'm looking at all the schedules for all the teams, right? Is Now that you're there, obviously it's a little bit different because you've probably got a home game at least every three or four other days. Do you mm-hmm. already look ahead and go, okay, I, I want to see them lose to Calgary. I want to see them lose to Anaheim. So I might go to those games. Uh, I mean, are there any particular ones that you will look at?
2: I would say the Calgary and Anaheim ones are not my top priority. Oh,
0: come on.
2: Those, those teams aren't, they're fine. Probably get cheap
0: tickets for those ones. They're not going to sell out those ones at least. <laughs>
2: Probably. Um, I always like to go to the Flyers games because, it's a good old family rivalry. Can always text my dad and brother and tease them when we inevitably win. <laughs> but I think, I don't know, haven't really looked into it too much this year yet.
0: Well, the, the thing that I would be intrigued is that I can imagine tickets are going to go expensive, particularly later in the season, because your man Ovi is third overall, of course, now on all-time goals. He's only 21 goals behind Gordie Howe and uh, another further 93. So what's that? 114 behind the great one, Wayne Gretzky. Now, probably won't be this season that he would crack Gretzky. He should beat Gordie Howe at least this season. But I can imagine I so. that that will get closer and closer to selling out. Because I know it's a similar thing in the NBA. LeBron James is closing in on, uh, I think it's we'll Chamberlain's record of most points in the history of the NBA. So we could see two all-time records go in the next couple of years in both sports, but is that something that you'd like to try and be a part of? I mean, obviously it'd be a very hard ticket to get to if he's like a couple of goals away from it, but is that something you'd like to maybe see? Cause he could be the first to get to 900 goals. He gets past Gretzky. He only needs to get six more after that to, to reach the 900 mark. Yeah. Wouldn't mind
2: it. So might pay attention to that. I think that would be something definitely worth getting as long as it's not, like, exorbitantly expensive. As long as we're not talking, like, Rangers, Stanley Cup
0: <laughs> yeah. prices. crisis that's uh, a little bit ridiculous there. But he only, he only needs 20 to get to 800 to become the third player to ever get to 800. But the fascinating thing, of course, with Ovi is he would be the first to do that for only one club because Gordie Howe... Played for two clubs. Gretzky played for four. So he's the all-time leader for a, a one-club man. <clears throat> Excuse me. And he's probably at least got a few more years in him, doesn't he? Like he's, I think we established this. He's only, what, a year older than me or a year younger than me. So yeah. one of those, right? Yeah. I
2: feel like he's like 36 or something. Yeah. Well, then he signed an eight-year contract, I think, like three years ago now or something. He's oh, so a he spring does.
0: chicken. Plenty of years we in him. still has. He'll do it. I think he's
2: I think he's determined to do it. I so th- I think he's going to stick around close? and do that.
0: This is the thing. Like, how can you be that close and not go for it? Like, people, players, exactly. I don't play for records, all that kind of bullshit they tell the media. I'm sorry. Like, if you are 114 goals away from breaking a record that many people said would never be broken, you are going to keep going.
2: Yeah, especially since he tends to have, like, an average of around 50 goals a season, it's... Attainable within the next couple two and of and years. A half
0: yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. LeBron's famously said he wants to keep going until his son gets drafted. So I mean, he he's getting on a little bit. He's older than Ovi, but we've um. I think I would have shown you when I was there. We had an AFL player this year crack the 1,000 goals, which is only I think yeah. two or three other players had done that in history. And of course, here everyone runs on the field to celebrate. It's kind of a, an age-old tradition. I don't think they do that on the ice for ice hockey. Probably doesn't really work that way but um yeah he so buddy franklin's just signed on for another year he won't beat the all-time record because the difference in afl is that when i was growing up it was a regular occurrence for players to kick 100 goals or more in a season and that's where the tradition came from you kick 100 goals people run on the field you get to a thousand you run on the field you break the all-time record you run on the field whereas now i mean carlton's uh harry mckay who won it last year and charlie Kernow, we've won two in a row yay go carlton um, they're only kicking like 50 goals in a year. So, like, they've halved the amount of goals that generally get kicked. Whereas hockey, it's kind of, you're there and thereabouts, right? It's sort of, it doesn't really shrink like it does in AFL. Yeah, I feel
2: like as long as you're a consistent player, then, yeah.
0: Have you met OV? I don't know, like, do you go to these things where you go and get signings and things like that? Have you ever done that?
2: No, I haven't. I feel like. I would just be too awkward in those
0: situations i think it'd be a cool thing do. i mean it's something that i've never tried to do when i've been in america or canada i know um a, a friend of this show's uh been on many times uh goalie here joel he's a big nhl fan when he's gone to the states he's worked out like he's a big san jose fan so he went to san jose and like stood near the door and like waited and got all these plays like he got things signed and all that sort of stuff so He knows how to do it, but, I mean, you you know, you could do it this year. You're there. Hang out, you know? Well,
2: they were just advertising, I think, earlier this week, Ovi, did his first public signing for the first time since before COVID. And I think now practices in, like, their practice facility are open to the public again so that, like, could hang out after probably.
0: I did. When I was in Winnipeg one time, we went to – they had a Jets-like – open training family day so we went there and you sat there at the rink and watched the jets train and we stood on some section where the players were coming out we were fist bumping the winnipeg jets could i tell you who they were no uh but you know i, I fist i've touched a stanley cut ring we had a guy on this show oh a decade ago with one of these silly usa canada tours that they did for a while and they got like c-list hockey players to come out i had a uh, can't Remember his name, but he, he won a. I think it was with Colorado, actually. Funnily enough, when they last won the Stanley Cup, he had, had won one with them. So, got a photo with me with the Stanley Cup ring touching one. So, you track down Ovi, come on, Casey. We'll
2: see.
0: Do it. <laughs> and what's your man, your boyfriend, Wilson? Is it
2: my <laughs> recently married boyfriend?
0: Oh, well, you know, you can have him. I can, well, she's a volleyball player, isn't she? Um, so yeah, yeah you know. Yeah. Marriages don't last. We know that, so uh, we can we can we can work on that. Um, I have a game for you today, Casey. Which this is kind of a thing: quizzes and everything. Like last week, we tested your knowledge on Murica. Um, this,
2: where I did great, by you, the way. You did
0: actually did solid, very well. Yeah, I did. Um, This week, I'm going to test you on Australian sports teams. Get excited! That's the Why? sound effects. Well, I'll tell you what. This is going to be – got a one of four chance of getting it right. So I've got 20 teams here, <laughs> 20 franchises, and you need to tell me whether they are a AFL team, so Australian football, a rugby team, NRL, a cricket team, the Big Bash, or a basketball team, the NBL. So I've gone – I haven't included soccer or rugby union here because we could get really technical there – But uh, I I think, again, you've got a one in four chance how you feel. There's some in here you will know because you've heard me talk about them. And there are some in here, if you don't get, I'm not talking to you again. I'm just saying that now.
2: That assumes I listen to you when you talk about these things.
0: True. No one ever does. But I I will clarify that this week I've got the proper sound effects for you. So if you get one correct, you will hear a... And if you get one wrong, you will hear a... So very solid. Good. Good job. All right. So to clarify, AFL, rugby basketball or cricket you got to guess which sport they're from okay you ready
2: sure, sure.
0: all right the panthers go the panthers what sport would the panthers be from
2: what well, is the most generic team name in the world they could be anything <laughs> um, i'll give you a clue
0: they just won the grand final like Four days ago at the time of recording
2: this. (laughs) (laughs) I know you had recently been talking about AFL grand finals and rugby grand final. AFL grand final was not four days ago.
0: So (laughs) the other one. You say nice rug- rugby, 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 hey, rugby. yay! <laughs> well done, good job. The Penrith Panthers, Panthers, by the way, it's where my family lives in Penrith, it's a nice little part of Sydney. So, there you go. All right, which sport would the Saints be from?
2: Uh, AFL.
0: Oh, look at this, she's off to it. Because a- they flyer,
2: because when you sent me that, uh, all of their club songs, yeah, they just
0: All the Saints go marching in. Well done. Actually, there's a there's a fun one. Maybe next week we'll play the songs for, and you've got to try and guess which team is each song. Which if you actually just listen to the lyrics, you probably will actually get it. So, um, (laughs) if I was to say the Heat, which sport are the Heat from? I'll say you get a bonus point in any of these if you tell me the the city that they're from as well, which is you know extra. Saint
2: Kilda. Saint Kilda was the Saints.
0: Correct. You get. There you go. You get an extra point for that. Well done. Okay. Uh, Thank you. But the heat, what sport?
2: Um, basketball.
0: There is a heat in the Miami heat, but
2: uh, <laughs> this would be that. the
0: cricket team. The Do you want to guess a city to try and get a point here? Or? <laughs> it
2: would just be a random city. I have no idea.
0: Brisbane. The Brisbane heat. <laughs> there you go. All right. The Wildcats. No what sport are the Wildcats from?
2: Basketball.
0: Correct. Good job. <laughs> what What city are the Wildcats from? <laughs> um, <laughs> all I think of is
2: High School Musical because <laughs> they were the
0: Wildcats. <laughs> it is not the High School Musical Wildcats. We don't have a city here called High School Musical, sadly. Um, you could just guess you a don't random.
2: Have an time.
0: No. <laughs> I mean, how many yeah. Australian cities can you name? There you go.
2: <laughs> Probably like.
0: Four. <laughs> Name one of the four Go on, you might get close
2: Well You've already got a Brisbane team And I know it's about Hobart Because you would have been Talking about them more um... <laughs> no. No, no, no.
0: Perth The Perth Sorry. Wildcats The okay. Dragons What sport are the dragons?
2: Oh my god um, I haven't guessed
0: cricket yet, so you you guessing cricket? Yeah. Wrong. They are rugby. They are NRL. It's my dad's team, and I you won't guess a city. It's St George. It's a it's an area of Sydney. Sorry, the St George Illawarra Dragons. They have a merged team, so yeah. Um, might get this one if you pay attention to all the rants that I do to you. The Yes. Yeah.
2: Oh, I do not pay attention when you're ranting at me.
0: I can give you a really big clue, but I'm not with that attitude, so.
2: Well, I'm just trying to think when you're ranting at me, it's usually about.
0: <laughs> Don't finish that sentence. Move on.
2: <laughs> um the sport. Mm. It's usually about AFL. You only ever really talk about rugby, Recently, so I'm going AFL.
0: They are a basketball team from Cairns, and oh, we lost to them the other night when I went to the game. So, yeah, Uh the Swans. Where are the Swans from? Well, sorry, what sport and where are they from? I mean, this could be an easy one if you pay attention to the last week or so. My God. <laughs> Uh, did I ever tell you my rants come with homework? Come on. No, I
2: feel like this is just revealing how much I don't, don't give a
0: shit. Yeah. Listen. Yep. When
2: we talk.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm small. <laughs> Do you want that Jeopardy music or? I
2: don't know if it's gonna help.
0: All right, need an answer. Come on, give me an oh, answer.
2: Uh, right okay.
0: They are AFL. They lost the grand final a week or so ago. Um, do you want to guess a city for a bonus point, or this is just guess the most obvious city in Australia?
2: Hey.
0: There you go. I'll give it to Yay. you. All right. Thank you. This is one of these ones. If you don't get, I'm hanging up. The Jack Jumpers.
2: <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah. That is the whole basketball
0: team. <laughs> I'll give you the point. They're technically Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, but I'll give it to you because no one gives a shit about the rest of the state. Uh, the Lions. <laughs> what sport are the Lions from?
2: Yeah, they could be any sport, but it's a much generic. <laughs>
0: She's getting angry. Really angry.
2: I do not agree to this quiz topic. Yeah, true. And now I understand why you didn't tell me, because...
0: You would have cheated. (laughs) I would
2: have told you, sorry, I'm busy.
0: Yeah, I hear that a lot. Uh, AFL? Correct! Want to guess a city or not really?
2: Melbourne?
0: (laughs) The Brisbane Lions.
2: I feel the, like I did
0: know that. You, you probably should have. The Suns. What sport are the Suns from? <laughs> She's thinking.
2: Trying to remember if they were also part of like the songs or if.
0: Maybe you should guess that then. You might Is that a hint? You, you, well, it could be.
2: Oh, AFL?
0: Correct. Do you want to guess the city? Uh, you won't get that. Gold Coast. Gold Coast Suns. We like the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, the Warriors. What sport are the Warriors from? That sounds like a rugby name. Correct. Well done. <laughs> um, I'd, I'll give you a big hint to get a bonus point. What mm-hmm. country... Are the Warriors from?
2: New Zealand. Correct!
0: (laughs) Yeah, we have a thing in Australia, kind of like I guess you guys are Canada, where every now and then we'll let one of their teams in. So um,
2: (laughs) we'll let them join.
0: We'll let them join. Um, The Kings. What sport are the Kings from?
2: Cricket.
0: Basketball. Give me a generic city in Australia. (laughs)
2: <laughs> the most <laughs> obvious
0: city in australia is sydney correct you get a point for that uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right more pressure on you you get this wrong ben disowned you the blues that
2: is carlton right so afl
0: <laughs> yes two points that was a double ding let's try that again uh, it doesn't like to do double ones but whatever you you, you know it well done yes good job uh the Thunder. What sport are the Thunder from?
2: It also sounds kind of rugby and intense. I'm on rugby.
0: Cricket. They are the Sydney Thunder. All right. Mm. He's Look, again, pressure on you for this one. Although I don't know if I talked about this team much, but we'll see. The Hurricane. I can't read your mind. Hurricanes.
2: What are you pointing at? (laughs) Is it in view?
0: (laughs) Sort of. I
2: don't think it is. Whatever you point, all I see is your method. It's a hat.
0: It's a hat that I own.
2: Yeah, well, I can only see like half of it. Um well, it's not your AFL team. We've already done your basketball team. So,
0: would that be your rugby team? Oh. Your,
2: your, your cricket team?
0: The Hobart Hurricanes? Oh, Casey. Definitely
2: don't talk about cricket ever.
0: <sighs> well, it wasn't cricket season, so we weren't really focused on that when I was there. We'll be soon, so different, but uh, all right. The crows. Where are the crows? Well what sport and if bonus point, where are they from? I think I
2: remember them from the AFL
0: form. Where are they from? I don't
2: remember it. I don't know.
0: Adelaide. The city that no one cares about. Uh, yeah. Adelaide's fine. Adelaide's a nice city. Uh the Cowboys. Um This is a great game. Love it.
2: (laughs) Basketball?
0: Rugby. And they're the North Queensland Cowboys, by the way. Uh, The 36ers. Now, I will say, getting a bit of news in America this week, this team.
2: Really? Yeah. Why?
0: I'll tell you why in a moment.
2: 36ers. Oh, basketball?
0: Correct. Now, they're the Adelaide 36ers. The reason they're getting news is they're in America at the moment playing some practice games against the NBA sides. They beat the Phoenix Suns this week, a side which is worth, I think, like $1.5 million versus Phoenix Suns worth about $250 million. So, you know, I'm sure Phoenix is like their third-rate team, but news in America, (laughs) news here, Phoenix Suns lost to an Australian basketball team. So there you go. Now I said the 36ers, what sport are the sixes from? If you know anything about this sport, this one's really obvious, but I don't think you really know much about the so it's probably not really obvious. Cricket. Okay. A six in cricket is a home run essentially in cricket. You get six runs for hitting it over the fence. So uh, they're from Sydney as well. Because there's two Sydney teams in this cricket competition. Two more, I've got a bonus one on here for you. Cause I didn't, I realized there's one I put on here, which I really should. Um, the Dockers. Where are the Dockers from? Oh, where and what sport? I keep forgetting it's what sport and where from, Ben. Yeah. Come
2: on, Ben.
0: Jesus. Ben for Ben. Boo. Exactly.
2: Um. You do, it. You nope. do it. You can do it.
0: You can do it. Okay. <laughs> Did you say soccer? It's uh-huh. not on the list. I didn't include those <laughs> no. teams on the list. <laughs> we don't really have mascots <laughs> in our soccer, so that'd be a bit weird. <laughs> Did you just shush <laughs> me?
2: <laughs> yes. Jesus. I'm
0: getting snappy.
2: Um,
0: rugby? <laughs> AFL. Football. They had a great song, if you remember the song. Oh, they're from Fremantle. By the way, I'm sure you knew that. Now I added this one because I should always add this one for an American guessing Australian sporting teams: the kangaroos. But not every single one of
2: your team. I've only
0: got one sporting league where the kangaroos are a team. Um,
2: basketball.
0: They are a football AFL, Australian football. North Melbourne Kangaroos. So. Yeah. There you go. All right. Let's count this through. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 out of a possible what? 42? Not bad. Good job.
2: Yeah. less than 50%.
0: It's not bad considering you really don't pay attention to me when I speak. So, you know. To be
2: fair, do not speak about most of those.
0: I you know, you know what I I I, I, okay, I, to. I well you didn't get the hurricanes but whatever but I I feel yeah. that ones that I think we need to do for you as as something for you to maybe practice and research on AFL songs I definitely think that would be fun and now that I've got the ability I can press buttons for you to listen to them live so that would be good and naming the Formula One drivers from each team see if you would uh, remember them all off by heart. <laughs> I guess, like- The top teams. I reckon you'd get them if you think about it long and hard uh, with it. Casey, it's always fun. Thank you very much for joining us. And uh, we definitely appreciate and the audience appreciates your time on the show today.
2: We're
0: always down for a classic interview here on the Brink Podcast. And... Excited to bring you an interesting one today. In our history on Edge Radio, we had three sitting Tasmanian premiers on the show. David Bartlett, Lara Giddings and Will Hodgman. All regular guests on the brink. We always loved having them on. But since, of course, we have been on air, we've had two subsequent premiers who have also appeared on the brink. They just weren't the premier at the time. One, of course, Peter Gutwin, who is no longer premier, and the current premier, Mr. Jeremy Rockcliffe. Now, if people remember, about 10 years ago, we aimed to get every single sitting member of state parliament on the show before the next election, and we achieved that. And our last liberal member that we did get on was, in fact, the then deputy member of Uh, Deputy Opposition Leader, I should say, Mr. Jeremy Rockcliffe. Now, he has been Premier of Tasmania for less than a year, but we thought we would dig into the brink vault, and when we got the Premier of Tasmania now on the show back in 2013 when he wasn't the Premier of Tasmania, we'd play that interview for you right now. So without further ado, our classic interview this week is our chat with current Tasmanian Premier Jeremy Rockcliffe, but when he wasn't Premier nine years ago. Take a listen. It is The Brink on Edge Radio 99.3 FM as we continue to chat to our Tasmanian politicians. And it's very exciting to be able to speak to our next guest because uh, not only is he uh, very prominent in Parliament, Liberal Member for Braddon, Deputy Leader of the Opposition, Shadow Health Minister, Shadow Primary and Land and Water Minister, but he's also... The 10th member of the Liberal Party is to be on the show, which means that we have now interviewed every single member of the Liberal Party. Please welcome to the program, Mr Jeremy Rockcliffe. Jeremy, welcome to Edge Radio.
3: G'day, Ben. Pleasure to be here, mate. Yeah, the lucky last, I understand. Although we have Leonie Hiskett... We're on board now, right? Well,
0: you know, we've got a few now that I think in the lead up to the election we're going to have to uh, speak to, of course. But out of the sitting ones, uh, you know, we've completed the Liberals. We're only missing Michael Polly from the Labor Party. So, t- given the fact now that the Liberals have knocked off the Labor Party, I can tell you now it guarantees you victory in next year's election. Congratulations! Thank
3: you very much. <laughs> well, look forward to that.
0: <laughs> so, should I introduce you now as our
3: Deputy Premier yet, or too soon? Too soon, Ben. Yeah, a lot of hard work to go through yet, mate. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously
0: a, vi- a busy period uh, in politics at the moment, federal election going on uh, and then leading into the state election next year. Is there a sort of a lot you guys can do to help the federal counterparts in this uh, federal election at the moment?
3: Look, elections, are they're exciting things. They're great to be in. It's uh, full of hustle and bustle and uh, a lot of, you know, manoeuvrings, things to do. Of course, we'll support our federal guys, I've uh, been working up there with Brett in the North West uh, fairly intensively and it's, and it's good to be on the Hustings with them. Um, look, we're out the bat anyway as a team with our own state stuff. We travel the state uh, as, a, as a collective, uh, knocking on doors and bridge, Bridgewater and Brighton uh, a couple of weeks ago. So it's not foreign to us, but it just uh, lifts the intensity a bit when it comes to the federal election for us, yeah.
0: Being Braddon, of course, uh, mainly a lot of the northwest of the state. You've got the west coast, you're up there into King Island as well. Down here in Hobart, a lot for Parliament. Does the travel sometimes get a bit tiring? or oh, you kind of just used to it now after all these years.
3: Yeah, probably used to it now, Ben. I was elected in uh, July 2002, so that's some 11 years ago. But, look, it does get tiring. Middle and highway, I see a fair bit of. Um, so, you know, at times it's... Um depending on what time of night it is, it can get uh, yeah, fairly tiring. So it's only a couple of times I've had to stop off in Campbelltown and have a bit of a snooze, however, a bit of a, what they call a power nap. Mm-hmm. But, um, but you know, there's you know, plenty to think about on the way home. It's often after a week in Parliament, you leave here Thursday night, uh, you sort of, th- you know, three hours, you unwind a bit, uh, reflect on the week, and it's um, not too bad, really.
0: How often do you get to go up to uh, King Island? It's a, sort of a place in Tasmania I've never been to. I'd love to go up to like, King of Flinders Island. Is it a place that you go to uh, sort of regularly, given it's part of your electorate?
3: Well, I was there a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I like to get there um, two or three times a year. It, uh, it's a magic spot, and I hadn't visited until I was, uh, or just before I was elected when I was campaigning. So it is a, a beautiful spot. Um, it is, I mean, all the things you hear about King Island in terms of the produce and everything else is just um, exactly how it is and look you won't get a better steak sandwich <laughs> than uh, a King Island steak sandwich at the King Island show um, it is just melts in your mouth so uh, what they say about the produce when you actually visit there you can see why it's um, a yeah, beautiful countryside um, it's you know very how do I say it um, great rainfall what do they say it um, a rains during the night and sunshine during the day, and that's why the grass grows so beautifully and the beef <laughs> so great. But they've had their challenges. They've got you know the closure of the abattoir some 12 months ago now, which has presented some challenges. So they're doing it a bit tough, but uh, they're resilient, and um, they have an enormous amount to offer. And look, Tasmania, I think, can when it comes to our, our branding, our recognising our Tasmanian iconic brand, And when you look at King Island's brand, mm-hmm. Uh, renowned worldwide, they've just done a fantastic job.
0: Do you get to eat a lot of the, the cheeses and, and the cream as well at the same time as the steak sandwiches?
3: Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> in fact, I always go and visit the uh, shop mm-hmm. and always bring home some Roaring, Roaring 40s uh, blue cheese, which is my favourite,
0: Ben. Well, you, you're pre-answering a question when we get to our final five here, Jeremy. I don't think anyone's ever done that before in, a, in an interview about the cheese question. We ask a question about favourite type of cheese, so you've answered it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that would be absolutely my favourite.
0: 11 years you've been in Parliament, as you mentioned, first elected in 2002. How has it changed? What are the big differences you've seen kind of since when you were first elected to now uh, heading into another election campaign next year?
3: Very different mood in Tasmania. And when I was elected, I've got to say that our side of politics uh, wasn't flavour of the month. And so knocking on doors uh, back then when things were going well um, with the state economy, you had... uh, I would say a good leader in um, Jim Bacon as, as Premier. Um, you know things were travelling very well for the government. The economy was going on the cusp of going very very well in terms of you know the boom about to start. Various reasons for that, of course. Um, national governance at the time played a big part in that. But um, it was generally a difficult time to be a candidate, a Liberal candidate. Uh, but it was a lot more. Uh, uh, buoyant time in terms of the economy um, a lot more employment and things were going going pretty well mm-hmm. um, you know huge housing booms and the like and uh, people had money in their pockets uh, very different now uh, and so uh, that 's the key difference i've noticed in the last from that time to this time is the state of the economies has you know, shrunk um, and people 's level of confidence has you know, I think taking a hit. And I think that would be a main thing. People had a lot of confidence back in the early noughties, as we say, um, that 2002 time. Confidence was more there than it is now, and I think that needs to be turned around.
0: So do you think then kind of leading into the election next year then um, that that's kind of obviously a key focus for the Liberal Party? And do you feel that this change that so many people in Tasmania are looking for is is finally going to come forward after all these years of uh, Labor power?
3: Well, I would certainly hope so. I anticipate so if we remain um, you know, what we're meant to be doing and that's basically keeping the government account and we're doing that effectively and very well, have done. Uh, but also we recognise that people, uh, quite rightly, uh, demand and need alternative policies and uh, we're presenting that very well at the moment. I think in the last uh, two years in particular, we've almost led the debate in terms of um, our policies that we're presenting to the electorate. Uh, a lot of those have actually been adopted by government, which is which is fine. Um, you know, but clearly up to the next election, of course, you'll see a lot more alternative um, policies from us. We do have a, a very strong and robust plan, I believe, for Tasmania, not just in the economy and, and jobs and job-creating, areas but also health and education as well which I think it's going to be a quite exciting time.
0: I spoke uh, earlier today to uh, Brian Green, the Deputy Premier. Now, you're the uh, Deputy Opposition Leader. put the question to Brian uh, about his role, because a lot of our listeners might not uh, sort of understand what that is, and uh, I sort of asked him does he spend his time sitting around waiting for Lara to get sick. So do you wait around uh, just for uh, Will to get sick and jump into his position?
3: Only a heartbeat away, you reckon? Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> will, will, I work very effectively as a team, and look, I don't think I've seen um, too much under the weather, to be honest, in the last... A decade or so so I think I'll be waiting a long time but <laughs> look the, the role of deputy um, it's one that it, it's very good it's uh, demanding uh, of course you, have, you know you're a team a leader in the, in the deputy and one of my roles is of course um, the policy development side mm. of things which I think which is one of the things that drives me um, really I, I love policy I like coming up with ideas and about how to make things better And uh, so that's one of the roles I have, and I embrace it very well.
0: Obviously, uh, always busy, I suppose, with all the other sort of shadow portfolios you have too. Uh, That three hours you're mentioning on the Midlands Highway sometimes, it's a case to, uh, you know, reflect and, uh, you know, maybe listen to some music. What do you listen to in the car on the way back up to uh, the Northwest?
3: Ah, that's a good question. And I have a huge, varied uh, array of uh, music. T- uh, how do I say taste? taste. <laughs> but look, I can't, I'm an 80s man. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the 80s music. I think it's just, it's sort of happy-go-lucky music mm-hmm. and it's feel-good music. And um, in this game, when things aren't <laughs> always uh, going as good as they could be and it's quite a demanding and sometimes a negative environment to be in. Um, uh, but, you know, so I like listening to the music. In fact, the last... Um, Little while I've gone back to some old uh, Kiss. Ah, uh, big Kiss fan, yep. and also I guess Coldplay gets a good old run out and yep. run from me. Yeah.
0: Uh, ever ever put the Kiss makeup on before? Not the makeup, but I had the <laughs> uh,
3: the Kiss show bag ah, around right, yes. about 1978 or nine. It probably would have been Devonport mm-hmm. show. Yep. Uh The Kiss show bag was uh, yeah, a favorite of mine. I actually, remember wearing the uh, the Kiss. A necklace to school oh, as well. It was a rubber okay. band, and then it had the Kiss sort of logo wow. on it, so it was just tightly, you know, tight to the neck.
0: Okay, rubber band on the neck doesn't sound too safe. No, well, that's what it <laughs> was. Well,
3: ex- show bags in uh, about the 1970s weren't exactly safe <laughs> <laughs> either, bit, I wouldn't have thought, looking back. Uh, and all was the stuff that we wrote on, I've uh, say. <laughs> but um, no, so yeah, a bit of a Kiss fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, the makeup hasn't had a run, but uh, the mask... Not yet, Sorry,
0: anyway. Not yet. That wins some votes. I expect an election ad next year with a kiss makeup on
3: Actually, the party I'm invited to, we have to come as your favourite rock star, yep. I reckon. Yep. <laughs> Ace or uh, Paul Stanley or one of them. <laughs> I right.
0: think, it will, think it will work well. Now, well, I'll wrap it up with our five questions and one you've already answered. i be four questions today. But just looking at um, sort of stuff you do outside of politics, a bit of tennis, uh, you're into horse racing and snowboarding. Now, uh, how often do you get away to hit the slopes on the snowboard? Oh,
3: mate, uh, unfortunately, I probably need to... Up- date my uh, my CV because I haven't been snowboarding for a little while now but gee I love it mm-hmm. when I do the last time I went was probably in New Zealand learned how to snowboard in uh, Threadbo mm-hmm. um, and it was just exhilarating and it was actually something that actually got my grasp reasonably well surprisingly mm-hmm. um, And um, in terms of that physical activity uh, couldn't master that like, getting off the lifts and a snowboard is mm-hmm. very difficult but uh, no I just I loved it. So, well, there you go.
0: If uh, things don't go well in the next couple of years, twenty what, eighteen Winter Olympics, uh, you could be the male Torah Bright perhaps.
3: I could indeed, yes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who knows? What's Never too late. Been, but I seriously <laughs> doubt it.
0: <laughs> Never too late. Well, I'll wrap it up with our five questions. We've already answered the cheese one. So we'll move into question number two, which is Jeremy Rockcliffe, are you a folder or a scruncher?
3: heard about those questions and I've given it some thought then. <laughs> oh wow, um, prepared. Uh, probably a scruncher. Scruncher, <laughs> scruncher.
0: Yeah, again, as I've been saying recently, scrunchers are sort of having to come back a little bit now. Too many folders recently. Yeah. Uh, growing up, Jeremy, what was your dream job?
3: My dream job. You know, I remember telling someone that I was going to be a carpet layer. Right. A,
0: a carpet layer. Yeah. That's an interesting... Uh, uh,
3: oh, uh, it must have been because I was uh, my mother well, actually, when I was uh, um, very young, we had just floorboards uh, in the house, and they weren't the polished, great floorboards. They had gaps in them and, <laughs> and everything else. And uh, it must have been quite excited me, the fact that we're actually getting some carpet in the place. And the carpet layer must have made an impression on me. And uh, for a while, there, I want to be a carpet layer. So there you go.
0: That's a unique one. It's yeah, again, never too late.
3: <laughs> no, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> could be a... a Deputy Premier, a snowboarder, and a carpet layer—all in one. Uh, question number four: Growing up, who was your childhood
3: celebrity crush? Uh, childhood celebrity crush. Now that is a good question. I suppose we're talking well, <coughs> Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. Now, does that sound a bit strange? No, being no, a crush? no.
0: That's that's fine.
3: But I'm a huge Elvis fan. In fact, when I went to the Ronald McDonald Ball recently, I bought a huge uh, Elvis kind of beautiful memorabilia kinda, mm-hmm. with one of his RCA records. Um, but I didn't find know anything about Elvis until the day he died. Right, and I went up to my grandmother, who lived with uh, just up the road at Sassafras and my auntie was staying with her, and she was she was upset for something. And I said to my grandmother, "Why is, why um, well, is Susie, upset?" And uh, she said, "Oh well, uh, Elvis Presley died today." And I said, "Well, who, who's Elvis Presley? You know?" And so. Uh, I then went down to my parents' place across the paddocks and dug out some Elvis uh albums, APs, whatever they're called, um and particularly this big one that was a double, you know, record thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it contained all the pictures and everything, and you know, I thought Elvis was just pretty magic, pretty To be nice. honest. And from that, from the day he died till now, I'm a huge Elvis fan. Well, that works.
0: I know a lot of people who have uh, discovered Michael Jackson the day he died, so it's kind of oh, you know our yeah. modern version of that, so to speak. Good, good. I like that answer. Uh, final question for you today, Jeremy Rockcliffe. What is your worst habit?
3: My worst habit. Uh, <laughs> that
0: you want to say on air.
3: <laughs> I want to say on air. <laughs> Um, my worst habit is let me think. Uh, My probably my worst thing that I do is not engage when I come home early Mm -hmm. enough. Mm -hmm. And I've got uh, three beautiful little daughters, eight, six, and nearly five, that are clamoring for my attention, and my dear wife as well. And uh, you know, it takes a while, a little while to unwind. So I'm, you know, what I need to do better is switch off when the car door is closed, come inside and, uh, you know, and be a dad straight away. But that's mm-hmm. not really a bad habit necessarily. I see it, it, I see it. I think it works,
4: I do, Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: that's it. Well, uh, Jeremy, we've learned a lot today. Thank you very much for uh, your time on the show. Congratulations on being the lucky last Liberal member and uh, ticked off all the uh, Liberal Party members. I'm sure we'll get you back on probably in the lead-up to the election uh, next year, but it's been a lot of fun here on Edge Radio chatting to you today.
3: It has been great fun, Ben, and thanks very much for the opportunity.
0: I have to say one thing about that, and that is I really hope I have improved my interview skills in the nine years since that. It's a bit of a cringe sometimes, to be completely honest with you, to have to listen to... To some of those classic interviews but uh you know we're here to bring you the content and maybe one day in 10 years time if i ever listen to this segment i'm going to be cringing so hello future ben maybe i'm the premier of tasmania in 10 years time who knows but uh obviously it was great to have jeremy on the show back then and now as we often did with the brink they got good promotions things went well and now he's a premier of tasmania so from little things big things grow come on the brink and we'll boost your resume clearly moving forward <laughs> That part of the show where you get excited because oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus is still alright with me. Jesus is still
5: alright. Oh yeah.
0: Jesus is still alright with me, and our right next guest, because it's Josh. Hello, Josh. Hello, Benjamin. How are you? I am. I am good. Not as good as DC talk though, because Jesus is alright with them. Uh, well, well, you know, you know
4: what? That, that that just made me think of Jesus. Uh, no yeah, but no uh I can hear the music now. We can both hear the music. Mm-hmm. forget the lyrics mate. I
0: could bring that back. Josh, it never went away. Let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I definitely have been thinking about it and uh, I was nearly thinking about it for this week, but not quite but no for sure it will it will it will come back. Don't worry. don't I'm
4: don't. down. I'm, I'm down like a clown Charlie Brown.
0: Okay, Mr. Brown, <laughs> Pound Town. That's a bit inappropriate. Whatever. Um, I want to say, Josh, a massive congratulations because for the first time since 2001, the Newcastle Knights are premiers. Get on board, the Newcastle Knights women because they won the NRLW on the weekend. Are you celebrating? I'm oh, sure both fans oh. at the NRLW Grand Final loved it.
4: I'll tell you now. I um I didn't know.
0: (laughs) I didn't think you would.
4: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I haven't followed NRL properly for a number of years now, mainly because of how shit they
0: are. Well, your premiers in the women's competition, Josh. Yeah, we will take that. We'll take. You'll take that. I was going to say you might have corrected me, like, oh, Penrith won the grand final, but no the the NRLW was won by Newcastle Knights women who beat. So the Parramatta didn't have a very good Sunday the other day when uh, they both lost the men's and the women's competition. But this is only the fifth NRLW they've ever had and only the second ever Sydney team to win it. Brisbane won it the first three years, those bastards. And uh, Sydney Roosters won it last year. But, uh, I mean, does this get you excited? Maybe you pay a bit more of attention to the uh, NRLW moving forward?
4: I've got no problem with the W teams. Um, As you know, my wife takes part in the uh, local AFL comp and she's actually just gone away recently for the AFL Masters uh, over in Adelaide. Her team won, so yay. Yay wife's team that I honestly know the name of but don't. The Uh, mighty
0: Ballaroos. Get on
4: board. I think she was playing for Vic Country. Vic Country! (laughs)
0: Had to get on board the Vic Country train. Come on! (laughs) Why should I go to Vic Country when you live in New South Wales, Trader? Only
4: forty-five minutes from the border. Trader, it's closer for me to go to to Victoria than it is to go to Canberra. Trader,
0: come on, get on here. Probably, yeah, probably. But I mean, Um, she's obviously probably what if she was ten years younger, she might be in the AFLW. So you know,
4: just my sister-in-law did a tryout for them. Uh, this season, actually, and they're the same age.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, there so,
4: you go. So, so AFL is actually pretty big in our family. The kids are playing it. My wife's playing it. Uh, brother-in-law's play. I played it before I got um, the head stuff that went went south. Um,
0: and then yeah, Richmond no. played it when they won a few premierships and now they've just gone back. Uh, yeah, yeah, so- yeah.
4: I was playing AFL before they won it. Yeah, um, most people were. But saying that, my brother, Matthew, he goes for Penrith. So, uh, he,
0: so he's quite happy at the minute. I Look, I am not anti-Penrith. I'll just say that. They're maybe my fourth favourite team. Uh, I've got family who live in Penrith. This is the place I've probably visited the most in my life in Sydney. I, I don't mind yeah. it in Penrith. It's not a bad area. And behind Cronulla behind St. George, behind Melbourne, I would probably then say Penrith. So, um, See, well,
4: any, any place that would be difficult for Mike Tyson to say is an A1 place in my book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember going to Penrith as like a five-year-old and we went to the Leagues Club and just being blown away by the idea of a Leagues Club because, you know, this is obviously something that AFL teams don't really do. So it was exciting.
4: Oh dude, they they do, but they don't. Like they got their they got their stadiums.
0: Yeah, but like you don't uh, you don't go down to the local like Icon Park where Carlton's base is. You don't go down there and have a, a frothy with you know, supporters. It's no, not really a thing no, they do, do for the AFL. But um,
4: that's a bit of a segue there. You've seen the news where they've wanted to build a new stadium in Hobart to cater to a Tasmanian AFL team.
0: Which can I just say, Josh? Good segue. Well done. Round of applause for Josh. Um,
4: hey, wasn't I always good at that back in the studio?
0: Ah, eh, you had your moments. Uh, now, at the time of this being released, there is every possibility. That we may have our team confirm, because if I'm not mistaken, the deadline for the AFL teams to submit the yay or nay is the seventh, which we're recording this on the fifth, and we're releasing this yeah, on so the ninth. A couple days. So, yeah. uh, you know, go figure with all that. But I, the, the thing that I am intrigued and look, I've generally my entire life voted for one political party, who is the opposition currently in Tasmania, and they're very adamantly against the stadium because. They're the opposition. They've got to provide the opposite voice. That's their job. And they're turning around and saying, fund housing, fund all this, fund all that, which, okay, fair enough. Those are things that need to be funded. But Mm. maybe the first time in my entire life I've been very adamantly against the political party I used to be a member of (laughs) because I am very pro-stadium in Hobart. I think it would be a perfect location I think it would be a, a perfect stadium, and I think it would be perfect for not only the city of Hobart, but the state of Tasmania. So that's Ben's opinion. Not that anyone gives a shit about that. Josh, what's your opinion on well, stadium, the way I see it? Tasmania? The
4: way I see it, it'll be a, an amazing opportunity for Tasmania to separate themselves from Hawthorne to start. Oh, get rid of perfect those. Perfect opportunity. Who
0: and we, flogs? Yes.
4: Yeah, but if you see what's happening the, in the media about them at the moment, ah, there they were flogs before those. Come cruise. on. But anyway, it. it and it'll bring funding to Tasmania. Yes, a stadium will cost money. It'll bring jobs because you'll have people having to maintain the stadium. It could end up being privately owned like most of the stadiums are in Australia, which is fine. Again, it brings jobs and when it's privately owned, it becomes more of a better business deal for, for those who who are working there and all that sort of thing. The other side of the coin, what you were saying about the, the Labor Party saying, oh yeah, we need... We need houses, we need this we need that, we need that, we need that. yep all well and good. Give this you bring jobs to the, to Tasmania. they will make houses for them. They always do that. they do that everywhere. So I think it's a bit again I'm, I'm in I'm in favor of it win-win.
0: It's the thing one thing I'll quickly add is um, Tasmanian government, Jeremy Rockcliffe, Peter Gutwin, liberals owe us some money because we, of course, had the concept of a stadium in that vicinity oh,
4: oh, yes. more than a decade so,
0: and, ago, David Fosser Stadium, just saying, you're welcome, Tasmanian government. And
4: it was, and it was actually there, wasn't it? Uh, we were more on the domain. It was close. More, it, uh,
0: yeah, it was domain. Where
4: was, where was Regina Arena going uh, to the,
0: the The entire Olympic precinct was the domain, sort of that vicinity. Yeah. So not far, like basically next door. It's only um, a couple of k away. But I think the thing that's exciting about the location is that Bury Oval is a nice ground it is a uh, maybe the most picturesque boutique stadium in the country but yes. it's just A bitch to get to and from when an event is on. And since they that is an understatement, mate. Since they renovated it, they made parking worse. I don't know if you remember back when we used to go big bash games, you could park basically right near the stadium or in that little beach area and get away with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, no, you can't get anywhere near those areas since they expanded it. So I think that a city location is great. And also for public transport, the thing that I find being back here in Australia and particularly some of the places that you go to sporting events. Hobart, I was talking about this the other day going to a jack jumpers game, doing entertainment mm. center. Sorry, My State Bank Arena as it's called now.
4: No, 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 It's a DSA. That's what it's called.
0: Well, you know, for sponsorship reasons, if you're listening to My State sponsor us, we're poor. But it it's a <laughs> bitch of a thing to get to unless you have a car and public transport is not the best to get mm. to that part of the city. When you're in America, for the most part, their stadiums are smack bang downtown, so public transport they're easy to get to, and and their
4: car parks are fucking huge.
0: I, I would never park in a event like that in the big city. It would be worse than his Hobart. But the thing is, like, you can catch a train, you can catch a bus. It's easy to get to that stadium at Mac Point. Even if you just get a bus to the bus mall, it's a, a barely a ten minute walk down there. No,
4: it's it's just like catching a bus and going to Southern Acre
0: Market. Exactly, and it's it's no different to like. When I try and sell cities to overseas people of Australia, Sydney, beautiful city. It is a beautiful city. It's it a shit city for events. If you want to go <laughs> to watch <laughs> the swans, you've got to go bus, train, taxi, carry a pigeon to the east. You want to go out to fucking Homebush to watch the NRL Grand Final? It's a 500 kilometer hike out west on carriage horses and slow burning wolves. Whereas Melbourne. You know, you want to go to Marvel Stadium. I'll just walk that way on a couple of trams. You want to go to the MCG? I'll go that way. Oh, what's next to the MCG? Oh, Amy Stadium. I want to watch a rugby game, a soccer game. Oh, what's next to that? Rod Laver Arena. I can see a concert. I can see the tennis. It is just a very well-designed city. Even Brisbane, getting to Suncorp and the Gabba, pretty easy versus getting yeah, fucking places. And, and in the
4: theatre precinct is also quite close yeah, to oh,
0: hell, yeah. Shit yeah. Shit yeah. So, so I guess got, my got rant the Q pack. My my <laughs> South Bank watching theatre. Uh, I mean South Bank, beautiful district. But my point oh, yeah. is this is a, a beautiful area for it. Um yes it's gonna cost money, but you're right. The stadium will attract events, concerts, not just concerts, functions. You can have big gatherings at a stadium and mm. the benefits of a team. And I think we've got a problem in Tasmania. We've always had a problem in Tasmania, the north-south divide. It's still going to exist. But, like, this unites an entire state like you could never have before. And I think I'll, just I'll, –
4: I'll, dis- I'll disagree there. I reckon it end up being a massive middle finger to Launceston. I, I and don't, I'm not upset by that. No, I'm not offended by that.
0: They still will get games. York Park is going to get money renovated into it. I'm sorry, Launceston. I'm not just saying this because I do not like Launceston. It's a shit stadium. I saw a game (laughs) there about six weeks ago. It is rubbish. I do not get why people talk this up as a great stadium. It is shit, but they will still get games there. Um, You will divide it. They sort of do it with the jack jumpers at the moment. The silver dome gets a couple of games, but I think, should yeah, this team no. happen, and I, I really do hope by the time people are listening to this, it has been announced. Maybe I'll do an extra segment if it does get announced as sort of as a celebratory it, thing. It, I, I want in on that if that does happen. I, I'm calling this out. The biggest thing to ever happen to Tasmania. This will be yes. the, the biggest thing to ever happen to the state. And people think, well, that's stupid. It's a sporting team. But, like, the push and the passion and everything behind getting a team in the biggest national competition in the land this has been going for decades. It's it's um, decades. All the, the, oh, the push. I think you meant the the competition. The de- the competition's no no, no hundred and twenty no, 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 no. years old. But yeah, I think that yeah, you're right. It's decades. We were robbed when GWS and the Gold Coast got a team. We were robbed back in the nineties yeah. when they gave a second team in Adelaide. You know, there was a push back then. I'm rant. I get very passionate about this, Josh. I I will always be a Carlton supporter, no matter what. That will always be in my blood. I will never yeah. ever stop going for Carlton. It's,
4: it's the same for me in Richmond.
0: But I will. it will be just like me in the NHL and the NBA where I will have two teams. I proudly support yep. the Ducks and the Flames in the NHL. I proudly support the Bulls and the Raptors in the NBA, and I do it equally. If we get that AFL team, I will proudly go for Tasmania and Carlton equally. It's. I'll it's, tell you what, if
4: Tasmania team. gets a team, I will join the oh, club.
0: I, I Absolutely. I mean, I'm a, I'm a paid-up member of Carlton every year, never will change. I will be a foundation member. I mean, as soon as they announced the Jack Jumpers, the first thing I did was put me on the wait list, and I've been a foundation member of the Jack Jumpers ever since. I think yep. I was of the Hurricanes, uh, at least second year member of the Hurricanes. Well, I don't do it anymore because that's expensive, and I don't go to the cricket much because I'm not here. But anyway, Tasmania yep. getting into the AFL—the biggest thing to ever happen to this state. Period.
4: And and it's also memories for you and me as well. Like we were pushing this back. 2007
0: 2008 we had our picture because when we did all those campaign things they had the push that was around when GWS and Gold Coast got in early 2010s and we yeah. had the picture in the paper with us holding the footballs going like local radio joins the push like we were on board with that so exactly um yeah when we were prominent Hobart celebrities Josh but oh yes <laughs> all
4: four of our listeners
0: and the, the thing the thing that I always talk about with this is because like yeah you got people who oh, I hate football I hate sport but My biggest description of that, I went to the 2016 AFL Grand Final and the 2016 NRL Grand Final back when they used to be on the same weekend. And if you remember that weekend, uh, the Bulldogs broke a very long drought of about six years and my beloved Cronulla broke a drought and won their very first premiership after 50 years. And the biggest thing that came to going to those and seeing that is the supporters. I had... the afl grown men of 70 years old crying their eyes out yeah you know the passion the excitement at the Cronulla game one of my best memories i'd lost my voice i was cheering i was celebrating you know premier's great as i was leaving there was this woman sitting by herself in like Cronulla gear just crying by herself you know yeah 40s 50s and i sort of like i'm not i'm I'm a nice guy, but I'm not the type of person who is, like, going to go out of his way to care for strangers. I'm, like, I'm just – I'm a bit of a dick as well as being a nice guy. Contradictory. But I saw this yeah, woman. Yeah, I was happy. That. So I went up to her. I'm like, are you okay? And she was just like, I don't know where my husband is. I don't know where my kids are. They're somewhere in the stadium. But who cares? We won. And, like, I just, like, <laughs> I gave her a hug. Um, I'd hugged oh. so many people in that stadium that day, just strangers – um, it's just, it's, it's something that brings people together and it's, if you don't like sport, there's got to be moments in life where you can see what that brings. I don't know if you remember the 2006 world cup when Australia made it for the first time. In no, I do remember, I remember that. I remember Everyone that. went soccer crazy because it hadn't happened in so long. You know, I think
4: I it. even bought a, uh, a, a soccer jersey. That I, w- year.
0: I was in New York when we qualified for the world cup this year, I was in some random bar that Advertise, hey, we're showing the Socceroos game, and I'm there. There was like, I don't know, four or five other Aussies and a bunch of Americans who had no fucking clue who the hell we were and whatever. We won that, of course, on penalties, and I was high fiving, hugging random Aussies in New York. The the bar guy got behind it, was giving us fucking shots for free. It was like, fuck yeah, Socceroos! Like, get on board. That was in New York. Um, Yeah. yeah, So, but but, but that's
4: always you're always going to have that hometown. So passion like I get it Newcastle like if yeah you ever go to a Newcastle game like even if it's just like a sh- like mid-season doesn't matter if you win or lose that passion is there
0: it's the parochialism of it too because Newcastle is a classic example of that these smaller areas we've just seen that with Geelong winning the AFL you know people mm. forget Geelong is its own town yeah it's two hours from Melbourne if that 90 minutes from Melbourne it's basically Melbourne but it's its own town. I remember when Anthony used to live there, he just said it was ridiculous how much people got behind the cats, you know, and that's the the most similar market you can compare to what Tasmania would be if it get an AFL team. I mean, you talk about just these areas, like again, America does it so good. When I was in New York and the Rangers in the ice hockey made the playoffs, um, you know, unfortunately not that rich for me to be able to afford to go to Madison square garden for a playoff game, but we went to a bar for game seven of the first round right next door to Madison square garden. Yeah. And it was packed. And when every time they scored a goal, they would be playing the same goal. They played just high fives, hugging. We ended up going to a different bar because my team was playing in game seven directly after. So we went to a Canada bar. They exist. And mm-hmm. they was it went overtime. Long story short, the Rangers won. In overtime to get through to the next round, and we were just hugging everyone, high five, and getting soaked in fucking beer and all this stuff. Was like that. Again, massive city like New York. My point is, yeah. Tasmania do well in AFL. I mean, we did well in basketball this year. Jack Jumpers made the finals in their first year. Um, so, well, the passion that it would bring anything? to the state would just be. There
4: amazing. is like, Tasmania has a history of very successful athletes. Yeah. So that that's something that and it's not just very successful. It's like these superhero legend type athletes. Ricky Ponding, David Boone, like the, David those Foster, like
0: the stadium David itself. Foster. Yeah.
4: Exactly. So they, I don't know why there is any opposition to this. May it's probably just for the sake of being a contrarian. But it's again i'm going to i'm echoing what i said before it is going to be one of the best things that'll happen in tasmania and it's just going to build the community so much better and i think that's what tasmania needs right now 750
0: million bucks you inject into the hospital system i'm sure it would do quite well but as soon as they burn through that they're going to want more you build a stadium exactly. for seven hundred and fifty million dollars. It's built. Yeah, there's upkeep. Yeah, you've got to you know whatever with it, and probably in twenty but years time, jobs, you need to it builds it. the
4: economy. You've got staff, doctors there. You've got the uh, people building houses, release more land. That's half the issue with Tasmania. There is not land being released for people to build on.
0: Whack the name Mona or Utaz on it. It gets done. Uh, there's a secret to getting shit done in Tasmania, Josh. Oh,
4: that's just, and uh, no, no, and that's all in common with a Mr. David
0: Walsh, but His Excellency. Um. Exactly. I've got no <laughs> no problem with, with him. Have you? No. you you been have you been to Mona? I don't think you would have. You've yeah, been, no, you I
4: have. I've, I've okay. been I've been twice. I don't know because
0: you've been out of the state for a long time. One of the times I went there, I might have even been with Sam for this show. I think we went to. It might have been the. Launch of the tennis that year when they used to do the like the draw at Mona. We were sitting mm-hmm. around waiting to get let in, and we sort of see out of the corner of our eye this guy with a little kid. I'm like, okay, cool, that's nice, you know, whatever. Sort of looking at this yeah. guy a little bit more, he's just walking around in just like a pair of like trackies from Kmart and a fucking like singlet, long gray hair. You probably think, like, Oh, is this guy maybe kidnapped this little girl, looks a bit pedo ish, like, you know, okay, whatever. Couple of seconds later, he realised, "Oh fuck, that's David Walsh. He's just walking around his own like, <laughs> in his trackies and his thongs and fucking with his granddaughter." I'm guessing. Um, Why not? Yeah, like okay, he's fucking walking around his million dollar, billion dollar playground basically. So, um, I yeah. I remember when when we
4: were in high school and they were they were building that like you, mm. you would see like every little like bits and bobs happening like when they were building all the caves underneath or whatever they were doing. But, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, I'm, I was actually thoroughly impressed with what they did there. Poo machine.
0: Off. Poo machine, the best thing to ever the, be in Tasmania <laughs> since we the, the,
4: the immature teenager in me is like, hell
0: yeah. I you, you describe that to people when you're overseas. Oh, we've got this really great museum. Oh, yeah, cool museum. It's the museum of sex and death. Oh, okay, I'm listening. There's a wall of vaginas. Oh, okay. And there's a machine that does a poo. Oh, tell me more. Um, so, you know,
4: funnily, funnily enough, my my favourite spot in that was the uh, burial chamber that they had, mm-hmm. where you've got like yeah the stepping stones, like a video the game. There's always and a line like,
0: to get into it, right? Um,
4: yeah, and I'm, I asked the lady he's like, how deep is the water? She goes, enough to drown. I'm like, that doesn't answer my question at all. It's bullshit. And it's you're like- allowing and you're allowing me to to go in there with my newborn son. <laughs> eh.
0: The, the best, cross. the best one, which I don't think you would have seen because it's it's fairly recent. But um, the last few times I've been there, it's still there. They have like a section where they've got this. It's an oil tank basically, and they've literally gotten a walkway which is you know body length wide, and yep. they've filled it to the point where the oil literally like it's a perfect line with the top. That if you touch it, it will overflow. So like it's they always warn you like do not. T-. It's like it's it's amazing. And the yeah. one time I was there. This guy, they literally, like, do not touch it because they let one person at a time. What do you think this fuckhead did? He fucking he touched fucking it. it. He, like, this, like, <laughs> the people at Mona are very nice, very patient. I don't know if I could stand around for eight hours a day just staring at people, but this Mona guy, I told you not to touch it, you fucking rag Mona, Mona, Mona. Uh, so, I might go there next week. I mean, I, I, I live five minutes away from him. I get him for free. I'm a Tasmanian, so I did the ferry <laughs> oh, earlier this year. I'd never done the ferry, but I did it earlier this year. Worth it. Nice little trip. Which one? The Mona Ferry that takes you from. Oh, the, the Mona center.
4: Ferry. Oh, the one that leaves from Constitution Dock yeah. or whatever.
0: The, the Mona Roma. Wow. I've
4: done the one that took us down to the, uh, to, is it Woodbridge? Okay. Oh, I'm trying to remember. It was like to this, like, lobster restaurant down, down in that area. I just can't remember the name, but. Um,
0: the probably one lobster re- restaurant in, in Woodbridge, maybe. Probably. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. Um, Anything else exciting happening, Josh? How's, uh... uh... Oh, yeah,
4: no, no. I came back from my tournament.
0: Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Where, where did you go? To the tournament. But what was it called? Moab. Moab! Yeah! Get on board, Moab, everyone! Woo! Fuck yeah! How was it, Josh? <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, it was good. Um, I actually placed six overall in my tournament and took out best Imperial player.
2: Best Imperial player, Josh Shubridge!
4: Not bad. So yeah, yeah, so Darth Vader did his job.
0: He, he choked the kicks, shit out kicks of the people. Kicked him ass. Can I ask you a question about Star Wars before I let you go? Yes. Rumours are true. Mm-hmm. A certain goat of James Bond who is behind me Joining the Star Wars franchise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know exactly where you're going, now, mate. Ooh. Just like, can we just talk about orgasm-inducing news? Um... Oh,
4: not only, okay, it's double orgasm for me. It is a twin shot all over the front seat it's of bakarki. the car. So
0: it's Bacaki. It,
4: it is. It is huge because not only is he coming, so. <laughs> 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 Not only is Fierce Brosman uh, joining the franchise, he's actually joining as my absolute favourite character in Yoda's Star Wars media. Baby 2. <laughs> no, Grand Admiral Thrawn. Ah,
0: yes. Which, I mean, we've technically had a James Bond in the Star Wars franchise. We know Daniel Craig was a stormtrooper. But yes. we've never had any of the others out of costume. I know we've had like Julian Glover play Christados, was obviously... Uh, the yep. guy in the thing we had we interviewed him. I interviewed Julian Glover on Double Seven, great episode. But yeah. um, and I'm sure there are other actors who have been in both franchises, but never have we had one of the six James Bonds as an actual proper character. Yeah,
4: right? and it's not only like Thron is a very very important character in the Star Wars story. Like he has a book series that like he essentially at the before the. Uh, Dark times where they brought out the new star Wars movies. Uh, I thought you liked the sequel. I I do. I do. But the story is better in the books and the books carry on. I wrote a story on
0: the toilet the other day. That was better than the sequels. I'm just saying.
4: I'm going to ignore you. Uh, But the, the original Thrawn trilogy is a masterpiece in my opinion. And then they, uh, the same author of the books wrote uh, another Thrawn trilogy to mix in with the current Canon. Um, with Thron being a Grand Admiral during the time of rebellion, which is like amazing, fantastic. Second book, he hooks up with Anakin Skywalker and he does stuff before he Wait, joins he Empire. Up How like cool is that? Like him or? and uh, him and Anakin Skywalker meet randomly
0: in space oh, and then they go like and a do a thing. That's what I no. was.
4: Oh, so he has blue skin and red eyes.
0: Okay. Blue skin people can have sex with the butt. Josh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> that failed. <laughs> it did.
4: I was trying to see if I could fit in a uh, sand joke there, but no. Of
0: course, it's irritating <laughs> Josh and it, and it gets, every- gets everywhere. I had that T-shirt for however many years. I left it in Canada. I, I don't think it fit me anymore. But the fact of the matter is that nobody got it except for one person in a telephone shop in Auckland. Basically, oh, really? everybody would always be like, why don't you like sand? And I'm like, it's coarse and rough and irritating. And it gets there and they look at me funny. And I think I told the story before about I was at a restaurant in Victorian in Canada. Mm. This woman, I'm wearing the t-shirt, this woman walks up to me and goes, My name's Sand. <laughs> like I don't like you then, bitch. Uh, I'm thinking, who calls you sand? Like that's that's on you. Like it's on your mum. Like you,
4: you should have just taken a drink and you gone, that's a bit rough.
0: <laughs> coarse <laughs> and rough. Entering you would be a bit coarse and rough and irritating, and it might get everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, Josh, always a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. And um congratulations on your sixth place at MOA! Thank you, Benjamin. (laughs) People who listen to my voice regularly might know that I am involved in several other shows and some people might like to know that we like to plug those shows from time to time here on the brink. And this week, we are going to plug a little show called Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast, funnily enough, done all right recently. We won an award earlier this year, just like to plug that one out there all the time. And this week's episode featured myself and my two co-hosts, Colin and Jared. You might obviously know Colin. He's come on this show plenty of times. And we ranked the Olympic logos. We are that type of show that has time to sit down and rank Olympic logos. You are welcome. And there was a pretty funny section in this episode. We went through all the Olympic logos from 1980 onwards and gave our thoughts on them, ranked them, came up with an overall list. And when it came to one logo in particular, Jared and I had it quite low on the list. Colin had it quite high. The logo we are talking about here is the 2006 Turin Winter Olympics logo. Jared and myself, not fans. Colin, fan. And this is how that discussion turned when it came to trying to describe the logo. Jared in particular, he had a very good way of describing it and how it then turned into a conversation about a very famous television show. Let's hear how that played out.
5: I don't get either of your hate with this at all.
0: Uh, Jared, I do. Um, <laughs> so do you want to take this? Or... <laughs> if they cut
5: this logo in half, the, the font is fine, the rings are fine. That, whatever the, the top is, is such a monstrosity. And this is similar to Salt Lake in that like it reminds me of work because I just look <laughs> and I see that bottom like circle and the semicircle and I see a person and I think of like, Microsoft Teams. I think of like, I don't know, ask the audience and who wants to be a millionaire? Like, it's just. Yeah, I see it. An, an anonymous, like anonymous. I didn't upload a profile picture, so I just get this this blank little man
0: sitting here. Um, oh, I can't I unsee that it. now. <laughs> I can't unsee that. That is like ask the audience. That's I, perfect. I can't unsee it either, but it, <laughs> I,
5: I kind of like it more now. That
0: was Colin's favorite lifeline on who wants to be. He fucking loved ask the audience.
5: Now now, not only does it scream winter, not only does it scream modern, it also screams two thousand six.
0: It's kind of like Channel Nine, where the where's mm. still the one, which Colin wouldn't get, but um, it's also honeycomb. Like, does that just make you want honey? So okay, let's let's the two thousand six Olympic Winter Emblem portrays the unmistakable, the unmistakable silhouette. The <laughs> of the mole. Antonellinia. That's exactly what I thought it was, my Italian knowledge. It is transformed into a mountain among crystals of ice where the white snow meets the blue sky. And the audience of the Italian who wants to be a millionaire.
4: Hey, it's Italian who wants to be a
0: millionaire. Uh, the crystals come together to form a web, the web of new technologies and the eternal Olympic spirit of communion among peoples in the audience of who wants to be a Millionaire. What was your favourite lifeline of who it's been? I personally was a bit of a uh, phone a friend fan because mm-hmm. you always got some 100%. unique things. Yeah. Yeah. 50-50 yeah, you, waste.
5: You, the phone a friend, you, you know, you get the humour there because sometimes they obviously phone the wrong friend.
0: Yeah. 50-50 was just bullshit because literally the host every single time was like, okay, Jared, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I think it might be A&C. All right. What does it mean? Boom. A&C as the only roommate. Like bullshit. Rigged. All right. Eddie, mm. rigged. Okay. Just 100%. calling him right 100%. But also, like,
5: original Millionaire is so much better than Hot
0: Seat. Oh, way better. And going off on a tangent, but so much better.
5: And also, Hot Seat kills me that, like, Eddie just gives him the answer. Oh, If you say something And he doesn't lock it in Straight away You're wrong
0: Yeah So guess again There was a guy Who I think won a million And they basically How did you do it It's Because Eddie gives away The answers every single time Bring back Oh I'm with you Because the the beauty of Millionaire Was the fact that You would be sitting there For an hour Watching one person Answer one question Going "Hmm, It might be B But that was brilliant television Watching a person think For an hour All right. And
5: and the sound effect
0: When when, like It's
5: the end of the episode You've got to wait Till next time To
0: see if they get further It wasn't self contained It was so good If we ranked soundtrack Of television shows, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, top five Mm. iconic Mm -hmm. soundtrack. I oh my god, Colin, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. We talked about this recently, (laughs) didn't we? On an episode or something, didn't we? Um, yeah, yeah, whatever that was, but um, you know, what was your favorite soundtrack theme from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? (laughs) 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 Did Canada have a version or did you just get the American version? We did. Who was your host? We did have a version. Was it Justin Bieber? Um, I don't remember. She was. She was one of like the head newscasters on CTV. Yeah, we had a woman. Oh.
5: Um, But yeah, it it was like. Our are, are primetime newscaster. So they basically, you know, got the most recognizable face to do it. We had Eddie, that was when Millionaire was like a big deal still.
0: Eddie Everywhere still is a host of our shortened version of it to this day. But, um, yeah, exactly. I, I did watch, they did that drama recently of um, the, remember in the UK they had the coughing guy that won a million? They did like a drama of it. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. I, I would recommend yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. Uh, I, I would definitely agree with it. Now, the show that I was talking about there, Quiz Great little uh, mini series that uh, aired, I think 2020 it did, uh, about that whole Who Wants to Be Millionaire scandal in the UK, just to, to clarify what is there. But as you can hear there, I think Jared really did sum up the Torino logo quite well. Definitely does look like a Who Wants to Be Millionaire lifeline, so uh, summed that up perfectly. If you want to hear the full rankings episode, hear more comedy gold, as I'm sure you were laughing your little tushies off there with that one. Search for Off The Podium, wherever you get good podcasts and bad podcasts. It depends on what you really think of it, and you can hear the full episode of that. I, I was going to come on here and tell you what got number one on that list of our overall logo, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. Listen to the episode, or at least go to our social media, because I'm sure on Off The Podium, we've posted it by now, and you'll be able to see that. But uh, great show. If you like the Olympics, you will definitely enjoy it. That is Off The Podium. Latest episode out right now. <laughs> Trying to close it out for another week. We appreciate everybody tuning in. The studio audience, did you enjoy this week's show? Yes, of course you did. Plenty to like with guests and history and everything else to really get you pumped and excited. We're, of course, into October now and hoping to bring you some more regular episodes along the way with some different guests, some classic guests. If there's anybody that we've had on the show in the past that you maybe wanted to dig out and bring back, always uh, send us a message. We'd love to hear who you would like to get on the show. You can follow us on social media, of course, The Brink. Is that easy? Find us on there. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube as well. If you're listening to us on YouTube, you're kind of watching slash listening. Hello, send us a shout out. We'd appreciate that. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast wherever good podcasts are available to never miss an episode. And wherever you are listening to us from, of course, we'd definitely appreciate it if you could leave us some feedback, rate the show, We would definitely love to get that feedback along the way. Big shout out and thanks to everybody who appeared on the show today, to Nick, to Casey, to Josh, and to all the throwback segments as well there as well, Jared and Collins' brief little appearance, and Jeremy Rockcliffe as well. Good to sort of have the Premier of Tasmania on in a different version. Just apologies again for the ridiculous nature of my interviewing skills nine years ago. Uh, Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. We will be back next time here on The Break. Until then, keep sucking those oranges. Hobart and a good a night.